God damn it. Laptop McCown, for whatever reason, does not like to hold my audio settings. Uh-oh. Welcome to Beerfield, where we might be late to this show, but at least your period's not. I'm your host at Hot Beerfield Hop with two P's, as always, joined by Beerfield Thurry <laughs> with two E's. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it's so on point. Oh, also, we're we're celebrating another milestone. Are we? 365 episodes. We now have an episode for every day of the year. Oh, we do have an episode for every day of the year. So if you start with episode one on January 1st, which you actually can't even go listen to anymore, <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll finish you're out by the last You're lucky, year. guys. Yeah, if you're longing for fantasy advice from 2017, I'm sorry. You can't get to any of those anymore. When the first prospect we talk about is Stance QB1, Deshaun the, the, the Kaiser. Kaiser. Oh. Uh, it was I'm glad so that uh, bad. I'm glad that that can't be found anymore. It was so bad. Oh, um, terrible. Yep, I'm rocking laptop McCown for one more episode. Uh, but we got desktop Taysom Hill that's a little broke but still serving a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> on the other so Cam side. Newton on the other. <laughs> well, I don't know that Cam. <laughs> I don't know if it's serving a purpose. Never anymore. mind. I'll get hated on Twitter for that. Uh, you said it. <laughs> I don't have I know. To. Remember, that is at Beerfield Theory. <laughs> uh, show is at Beerfield. We don't ever promote that. We just got done talking to Nick about how we're really bad about self promotion. For it's Nick did all of it. For a I show, blame Nick. the first year was really big on shameless self promotion. Not so great at shameless self promotion anymore. That was our that was our our whole gimmick for for the first two years. It, it was indeed. And uh, situations are situational and uh, versatility. <laughs> versatility. Oh. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll believe it or I'll see it when I believe it. And draft capital <laughs> matters or something like that. Something like Landing spot matters. That's Landing spot matters. Landing yes. spot matters. I'm getting. We're in front of a live studio audience. He's shooting me looks from the reminiscence. Is she right down now. here? Oh, she's off to my left. Yeah. Look at her go hanging out away from. Is she gonna edit stage. another episode now? <laughs> no, we don't edit anymore. She's That's actually the joke. reason we don't edit anymore. That's fair. That's right. All right, we got a show for you today because that's what we do here. We've also got a show for you on Sundays. Make sure you tune in Sunday mornings to the live stream because you get all your start sit questions answered. Some of the some of the advice is even good. You know, sometimes uh, a blind squirrel can find a nut too. Yep. And you're in your playoff push, so you might as well get it from as many sources as you can. It's right. And blame it, and then blame them all when you get it wrong. Blame them all <laughs> when you get it wrong, because you don't still set your lineup. By the way, I'm actually kind of disappointed at the lack of hate we get. Like, I feel like you haven't made it until you have people that shit talk you for everything you say. We definitely, five years in, have not made it. We don't get shit. I talked. feel. I feel like we peaked when Drew made that that mock uh, Twitter account for us. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like maybe we victory lap too soon. I mean, we were we were there. Longtime listeners know when you know when Nick was you now on and gave a shit more than all of us. Um, you know, made us actually try. 
By the way, uh, I, we were on the verge of making it. I sent him the Zoom info, and yeah, he's not going to join us. Oh. Um, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, too busy. Yeah, is that what he said? I have no clue. I'm just making I'm just it up. Assuming that's I, what I'm he just said. assuming the that's the answer. Um, all right, we got a full show for you. We're gonna talk some things that uh, aren't necessarily NFL related. There's another sport with some big things happening, so we're gonna talk about that briefly. And then get into some news, some uh, big week for injuries. So we're going to talk about some of those, the implications, what you should do to adjust as you make the playoff push. Uh, do some ADP check-in. There's a lot being made about the zero running back strategy. So we're going to go back and look at a couple of years and see how well that actually stands up. Because a lot of victory laps happening, which, by the way, is really weird to me. I tweeted this out. That's at Beerfield Hop. Beerfield Hop with two piece. Um, I don't understand how... You're not allowed to victory lap. Twitter says, and the court of Twitter public opinion says, rightfully, you cannot victory lap a player if you're right because of injury. So whether it's a handcuff strategy or, you know, somebody not being good and they get hurt and then subsequently don't produce because they're hurt, et cetera, et cetera. You're not supposed to victory lap that. Yeah. But five people get hurt and we can victory lap a whole strategy. So one person getting hurt bad, don't victory lap that. Five people get hurt, victory lap it. I mean, it, it, zero RB is basically based off of running backs getting hurt it's, in next in the next man. Like the whole well, the, the whole strategy is it's just it's finding you know ambiguous backfields and then kind of hoping things get yeah, shaked up, which injury occurs. It's rooted in Leonard Fournette this year, basically. Or Miles Gaskin the last couple of years. It's rooted in guys like that that you get later in the draft that produce. It's not rooted in injuries necessarily. It's rooted in you can find somebody that produces and they're overall less volatile, which, yes, injuries are part of the volatility. But come on. We'll talk more about that. Um, but before we do that, we're drinking. Because that's drinking. the other thing we do here. What's fueling beer fueled? What do you got, Dan? All right, I am drinking Firestone Walkers Cinnamon Dulce Nitro Stout. Um, this is a nitro stout made with cinnamon and vanilla spices. Obviously, with it being nitro. Mutes a bit of the carb. It, it gets rid of the carbonation to help bring forth more of a creamy mouthfeel. Um, obviously, when you're drinking nitro, uh, if they have the metallic ball inside, like most, like all Guinness cans do, and left hand milk stout cans do, then you don't have to worry about you know hard pours or anything. But for most nitro cans, you want to make sure that you are hard pouring into a 16.9 ounce glass. That's like and it's allowing the beer to cascade and then come down in glorious fashion. It rides up and then, you know, and you learn the cascade and you learn how to pour. All right. I have two things. One is kind of going to be a fun activity at the end, but the actual beer is three Floyd Sicario Pina. Um, oh, there you go. It, this was uh, recommended to me by Owen. So, you know, Owen. Yeah. Pennies. Very, very, very sour. From what I've heard, he very, very much after talking to him likes his uh, he likes funk in his beers. He likes some yeasty funk. So he's very much 
a wild ale and farmer's ale enthusiast. Yep, and he recommended this. So this is a pineapple Brent Saison. Uh, Brett comes from Bretano Myases, I think is how you say it. But basically, yes. it's a um, characteristic of, I believe, the yeast. That yeah, it's one of the more popular bacterias. Yeah, bacteria. That's what it is. It's a bacteria, and not all bacteria in your beer is bad. Brett is good. Lactobillus is good, right? When you're brewing a sour style, and that's what gives it a little bit of funk. Um. And we use funk because there's not really a better way to describe it. You'll hear people say, you know, farmhouse, um, Brett, you know, those styles, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, grass, it, it takes the culture. You know, a lot of those sours that are being used will take the culture of the environment that the beer is being made in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very it's a very beer nerdy style. You're not going to find a lot of novice uh, drinkers. They feel very intimidated. You shouldn't because. The beers are often, they're pretty, you know, good. somewhat crushable. They're obviously good. I mean, especially if you like that style, um, and you're okay with a bit of the funkiness that comes from it. Yeah, very approachable for the most part. So. Yeah, it should. You would think so, right? It's yeah. like it's it's like sours in general are, are, you know, to the novice beer drinker, you know, can be very uh, intimidated by the style because they they expect whatever they expect to happen. Yeah. I will say this about, um, about funky beers. You're not going to be, the worst case scenario is there's a little off taste in there. You don't like, you're not going to be overpowered by them ever. You know, they're not gonna, they're not going to be big. No, those be bold, but they're not going to be too much for you to take. They're not going to overpower you. It's not going to be something that you're like, holy crap. I want to drain pour this. It's just, you know, there might be a little bit of an off note that you don't like, and that's fine. It's always recommend. I always recommend people, you know, if you have a chance to try stuff for free, try as many styles as you can, mm-hmm. you know, go to, you know, go to your big local liquor stores, or if you have high V's or whatever you have that, that, that sells liquor and sells craft beer there and see when they're doing tastings. Cause or just, the off chance you're going to find beers like this style that you can try for free or just do a pick your six. If they've got that option too. And then you're out two bucks if you don't like it. Yeah. You know, most, you know, a lot of places are no, you know, doing the pick six format, which is you created a six pack based on single beers that are generally cheap. Yep. So. All right. And then the other thing we have, which I'll break out the second part of the episode uh, St. Louis Bourbon Society Advent Calendar started today. So this, I don't know what it is. Where's well, mine? I don't have one for you. I'm kidding. I know. This, I don't know what it is. Just like the next 24 days, I'll be drinking bourbon where I don't know, or whiskey, where I don't know what it is. All I know is it's sample one. So I'll be drinking it on air, making a guess of proof, making a guess of flavor profile. Trying to take a guess at what I think it is and then actually checking the reveal to figure out what it is. So, you know, drinking blind. Also, probably the coolest sample bottle I've ever seen because it's a little like. That looks so dope. It's a little three ounce flip top, basically. Yeah. It's how, it, it's how the um, the Grosch beers come in. Yeah. All right. Um, news. So before we get to the NFL, let's talk the MLB for a second. Something pretty big. Uh, we're not talking MLB free agency or anything like that. There's been a lot of movement there. Uh, more conceptually speaking, though, did you see this shit about the baseballs? 
I, I, I have not. The only thing I've seen in, in baseball world has been all the free agents. And, it, and you know me, I don't stay on yeah. top of the baseball world. So, so yeah, free agency is happening. The CBA expires at midnight tonight. So they're facing another lockout. The MLB is. Um, I saw the post on our group chat that the, the chat lasted about seven minutes and then yeah. they dispersed because and then they did, couldn't reach whatever they needed to reach. Yep, the owners didn't like the player's proposal. So here we are facing a, a lockout that could delay the start of spring training, I think is what most people are expecting right now. Uh, but the Damn. bigger news is that the MLB uh, got caught using two different baseballs this year. And the reason that's big for those that don't follow the MLB is that they um last year were accused of juicing baseballs. Home run numbers were way up. Um, Pete Alonzo of the Mets came out and accused them of uh, a, modifying the baseball to impact what the free agents are going to be paid next year, right? So last year was a big pitch, pitching-heavy class coming into free agency, so they juiced the baseball, which inherently tanks pitcher numbers. This year, big hitter heavy class dead in the baseball to reduce the offensive numbers. Um, and, you know, the MLB after last year came out and said, well, we're going to use this lighter ball, you know, kind of go back closer to what we were using gear into that juice baseball. Well, come to find out they didn't. There was actually a mix of both type of balls. They tried to blame COVID, but that was disproven. Um, I guess that what happened there was um, the MLB tried to say we were short on the new baseball. So we had to use backstock of the old ball. However, the new baseball started being produced at the end of 2019, middle of the end of 2019. And they restarted production of the old balls in January of 2020 before COVID before COVID. So the accusation right now is that the MLB is introducing balls to there's two schools of thought one to manipulate the value of the free agency class, which is going to be a huge issue with the CBA coming up. And also sports betting was legalized this year sites because games became so unpredictable. Stop posting over unders for sports betting. So you think MLB did it in a way to, to try to I think minimize that, sports gambling? I think that they did it in a way to try to manipulate sports gambling towards oh, I see. Okay, one yeah, outcome I, or the other I don't know why. by using a different ball to control the offense. Yeah, I was going to say sports should be embracing betting. It just brings more attention and money to it. Like. I'm surprised. Like I'm so shocked. It's not, it's not legalized in most for all sports in all states. It's just a money hungering scheme. I mean, I, I what if Vegas and them were were okay. in cahoots? That's what I think. Trying- the MLB did. You know, a lot of their regional sports networks were bought by Bally, and they did the same thing the NFL is by trying to, um, you know, there's the problem. They did the same thing the NFL did by marketing to the gambler but then if you're manipulating the outcome or potentially manipulating the outcome based on the balls you're using you're putting money in the casino's pockets oh yeah i mean yeah you might get an off chance that a line that is supposed to go under goes over or you know vice versa so maybe they you know it hurts them but it's going to help them in more way more often than not it's going to help skew the numbers that's insane yeah, I want to know what happened. Like, 
and I know it's going to be a long, like I know it's going to be a long drawn out battle. I wonder if that's going to affect, like you mentioned, the CBA probably getting signed in time because these players are are that's like we oftentimes as just middle at you know just middle class workers we we get I get fucking livid when my money gets messed with. Yeah, I do too. I've gotten the arguments. I've 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 lost. I've 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 had my starting or. I've had my current, you know, hourly pay reduced without my knowledge before. And I, I flipped this shit and almost sued the company. And like, so this is millions of dollars potentially mm-hmm. amongst players. And, you know, these guys work their ass off their entire life for these, you know, couple moments that they can make enough money. I mean, more than enough money, but in their minds, earn that right to get there. And that's being and being taken advantage of. That's just, I mean, I'm not shocked by it. I mean, <laughs> it just, well, it doesn't, the sad part is it doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. It's just very, very sad that, it, that, it, that may be a part of it. Yeah. Some other things that are uh, sticking points in the CBA outside of DH to the NL is um, free agency. So the MLB wanted to tie free agency directly to how old you are. So 29. 29 is when you hit free agency. Doesn't, oh, no. Doesn't Jesus. matter if you come up at 18, 21. 29 is free agency instead of six years of service time. How so, is that? Uh, like, how? how is that's horrible? Obviously, they bought the players union balked at that and said, we're not doing that. Oh, fuck. Hell no. Now, I think that they want more of a hybrid approach of where it's you have this much service time or you hit this age. Um, there are some other things too. Uh, salary floor is something that I think that the players very much want. That's fair. Um, it should be, it'd be smart for some of the teams that are just trying to completely tank. Yeah. Some changes for the luxury tax. So it'll be interesting to watch because to tie this back to the NFL with us being a primarily a football show, right? NFL CBA is going to be a thing in the not too distant future either. I don't know when there's expires next, Yeah, but you know, that's the type of stuff you're going to have to watch, you know, in the NFL guaranteed money. Um, let's see. When does the NFL CBA expire? 2030. But I want to see mind. happen. Ne- never mind. 2030. We'll be talking about the NFL CBA. No, so nine years. I want to see, and this was talked about on Twitter and we talked about it last week about tread deadlines and fantasy football. And you know, and thoughts on them for dynasty. I want to see trade deadlines abolished in all sports and actual sports. Yeah. I want to see the fucking chaos that teams would bring upon them themselves and the type of risks they would go for to see if they can bring home a championship. Because the more I think about it, it's like that that type of embrace and just think about it, right? You're on a super like you're going to the Super Bowl, you're on this roster, you're some f- fucking backup guy. And you get traded, you get traded, or some like even some like starter, some guy who plays special teams, and all of a sudden you're moved to a different team, and your chances of playing in the Super Bowl is gone. I want to see that type of fucking chaos. So you know, you, you know, we see quarterbacks getting moved last you know minute deals that, or, or you know last minute trades that see this insane return. Imagine like Tom Brady gets traded, you know. Like he doesn't make the Super Bowl, then he, you know, he's traded to one of the Super Bowl teams in year twenty forty five because you know Brady will play, will be playing at that point still. That shit would be fucking awesome. Yeah, couple of 
It'd be that, insane, but I don't think you'll ever see that happen just it, because of I don't think it'll ever happen. Collusion though. and competitive balance in the NFL. You get somebody on a one year deal, you know? No, um, I know, I know. I will say I, that um a couple other sticking points, by the way. Um the qualifying offer system, which is terrible. You know how that works. I'm assuming you have to put up enough No. So depending on your service time with a team when you hit free agency, they can do what's called a qualifying offer, which is a one-year deal at a set salary. It's kind of like a franchise tag. Okay. But it's not quite as tight as the franchise tag is. So the franchise tag, they tag you, you're still on the team, right? Yeah. Whether you sign it or not, you got to try to force the issue. The qualifying offer, you can decline and hit free agency, but if you do... Your previous, whoever signed you also has to give up draft pick compensation to your previous team if they signed. So it's like the transition tag. Yeah, if you're signed with a qualifying offer. Like you see that happen in football. Very rarely does it actually, you see anything come from it. Teams will assign a, you know, a draft pick to a player that would be attached to it if, if another team is to, you know, get an agreement from the player off of there. So, yep. Doesn't happen often, but every now and then you see it. Yep. So, yeah, that's one of the sticking points. Anyway, all right, out of the NFL. Adrian Peterson signed to the Seahawks practice squad. Um, (laughs) I mean, this whole practice squad, like the new change to practice squad, it's just ridiculous. It's got to be. Yeah, it is. Although, there are some good things that I'm glad stuck, like, you know, unlimited uh, IR reinstatements. I really like that, and I like the 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 lowered of the of the IR time to three yeah. weeks. I think that I is too. that is fantastic. It's if teams use it properly. Looking at you, Cleveland. Yep. Well, from a fantasy perspective, it very very much makes it to where you kind of know, right? They go on yeah. IR, you know, they're at least out for three weeks, and then you can start. You can plan on that accordingly. You're not week to week. What's going on? Yeah. Um, yep. Seattle has a, a struggling offense right now, basically. Uh, DK Metcalf last three games he's under five receptions under 35 yards no touchdowns Tyler Lockett's been a bit better just 10 targets over that time frame over the last two weeks but it's he's at least over 200 yards no I running know that attack. Russ I'm sorry go ahead no running attack Russell Wilson's been bad I mean Peterson's got to be worth a speculative ad right especially if you're in the boat where you just lost Dalvin Cook or DeAndre Swift or um well, he's back to being worth it. I mean, it, it just mm-hmm. it just depends. He couldn't beat out Deonta Foreman or Dontrell Hilliard, and now he gets to go to a, a, a new whole cast of characters that re- resemble the same outlook. So I, I I don't know if he's worth the speculative ad, but he goes from a high score in Tennessee offense to a Seattle offense that can't put up any points. And they need so a spark. I don't, I, I don't know how a 36-year-old running back, or however old he is, is a spark at this point when he got, you know, replaced already i mean if it works out great for them um the running game is not the pro it's not the sole problem with seattle i mean maybe russ is still battling back from his injury but they have they have found a way to neuter an offense with russell wilson dk metcalf and tyler lockett to this point I, i i don't know how anybody in this coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball has a fucking job after this year it's that that is unbelievable I I don't know either, and I don't know if 
it's just the offensive line, if Russ is still not right, if it's both. Um, you know, it was a finger injury on his throwing hand, so, you know, yeah, that's true. impacting some things. Maybe he's hesitant. I don't know. He looks worse than we've ever seen him look, though. He looks, he looks, not only does he look worse, like, there's, he, he doesn't, he doesn't look as engaged. Like, I know that's really bad. It's it, 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 and this isn't me coming after him, on, you know, on his worth ethic. He just looks like he doesn't want to be there anymore. Like yeah. the whole, the whole, the last two years, his whole premise is let me cook, let Russ cook, blah blah this, blah blah that. And you got to see glimpses of it last year, in the first, you know, first part of the season. You, you saw glimpses of it this year to start the season. It, yeah, that was probably mirrored by a bad op, a bad defense that forced him to throw more. But Russ has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks since he's been in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he has the second highest touchdown rate of his career alongside Aaron Rodgers, the only two quarterbacks to be six plus. We know how good Russ is. We all we know how good their receiving core is. And yet it's like I think this is the combination of of a run first team with a personnel base for a pass first offense. And it's just yeah, that's exactly what it is. And then losing Chris Carson didn't help that, right? Because, oh, not at all. I mean, they would have been a lot like Tennessee, where they uh, will they will run first, keep and use the pass to keep teams off balance. And then you lose Chris Carson unexpectedly, Rashad Penny. You know, we've we said it about Penny coming out to where Penny is explosive, but Penny needs a line. He does not create for himself. Penny needs a line to be able to to be able to do what he does and there's not a line there. So now I don't know if it's too much. He's being asked to do more than he should. I don't know if it's the fact that the offense is just it's a scheme. If they're just trying to work downfield too much and he doesn't have time. Yeah. I'd really need to watch a full Seahawks game to figure it out instead of just the tidbits here and there that we get on red zone. But um, I watched a part pretty. of that game Monday. It's, it's not even, I mean, they're not working the ball downfield really at all and maybe i mean it's probably a combination of all of this that we're talking about the you know lack of running game a poor offensive line maybe russ isn't you know completely healthy but who is at this point and maybe that's affecting it the fact that this is his first losing season ever and it it, it looks like a big change is going to happen he was in you know trade rumors in the offseason throughout the entire of the offseason there were like even before this past offseason there was rumblings that he may not be there after his contract is up. So there might be a lot of behind the scenes stuff and we'll obviously all that plays out, but this is, uh, this looks like we're into a, uh, a big divorce of, of Mr. Wilson and the uh, Seahawks organization, or they're going to let Pete Carroll go and let rush handpick his coordinator or, you know, or play caller. Yeah. I mean, Touchdown percentage is, is way, way down for him. Interception yeah. percentage is about where it's been at career-wise, just looking at some of the stuff. Uh, yards per attempt is would be tied for second highest in his career. Air yards per attempt would be tied for would be about where it's been. A little over career average, but about where it's been. Yards per completion would be the highest of his career. So... You know, they're, they may be working at downfield a little bit more. But also, you know, some of the underlying numbers are not necessarily that far off. Other than the efficiency numbers being down a bit, like 
completion percentage is right in line with with his career average. Um, you know, pass attempts are, I think, about where they've been at for his career. So it's just kind of one of those things looking at it where you're like, well, you know, this just on the surface, just, you know, you don't see where they've done anything. He doesn't appear to be regressing. It's just not working. So that says more of the team around him than anything. I think. Well, that and other than the I efficiency think, numbers, but they use the running game to sustain drives, right? So that's going to hurt your efficiency numbers. I mean, he's always been a hyper efficient too. He's always been a he's a lot like Rogers, where he doesn't need a lot to produce. Turns from a a uh, statistical standpoint, and a team that is very willing to lean on the run. You know, think of the Patriots. You know, with Tom Brady for the you know latter part of his career, if the running game's going, then they don't need their quarterback to win that game. They won't use them. So. I mean, we'll see, right? Russ is going to be 34 at some point this offseason. Well, yeah. 33, I don't remember what his birthday is, but it'll be, it, I mean, we may be set to see. He just turned, he just turned 33. Yeah. November 29th. So I will say that just looking at this, it doesn't seem like he's necessarily the problem. I don't think he's the problem. I, yeah. I mean, most people have been talking about, about Russ and, and just, or just all the Seahawks and especially with Pete Carroll. Have, have have never really let him loose. We've seen it a few times, you know, 546 in 2016, you know, back when the defense with when we're starting to see their defense more and more regress. But yeah, it's only been over 550 pass attempts twice, and that was 2017 and 2020. Yeah. So 4,200 yards both years. Last year was obviously insane from the touchdown numbers and everything. But yeah. And, and, and a lot of that was sparked by their early season start to it too sure. when they were letting him cook <laughs> so this is also his first losing season which probably yeah. pales into the mentality of it a bit he's like not had a losing losing season yeah yet. Well, yeah that's what i mentioned earlier i think it's yeah. i think he's i think he's over it i think over he's it. i think he's ready to move on so what do you do with dk metcalf right now you've got these guys are holds. You can't hold them. I mean, well, in Dynasty or in redraft? Sorry. Re- redraft. Sorry, I'm talking okay. redraft. I am making a playoff push. I have DK Metcalf. I spent a high draft pick on DK Metcalf. I've got three straight weeks of duds from him now, and the only thing that saved in the week before that was a two-touchdown performance. Um, the target volume has been sporadic. You know, he's not had more than eight since week three. Um, you know, he's not been hyper efficient, which is not what we expect out of him anyway. Um, you know, what do you do with DK? He's got San Francisco next week. We've seen them play better defensively Houston and then the Rams where we'll see Ramsey again. I mean, it's like you said, the targets kind of lined out outside of this Monday night. You know, he's running. He ran the most routes that he's ran all year on Monday. Just four targets, with his so. targets. Yeah. Yeah. Which has been the lowest he's had. Yeah. Lowest since week seven when he hit five, but he's been, he hasn't been a double digit guy, right? You go back. I mean, last year, but again, Russ, this offense, horrible defense. It was even worse last year. The defense has improved. It, it, it's, but he's, he hasn't been that guy. He was double digit targets twice in his rookie year. No. Again, last year with the increase in pass attempts, he was higher, but, uh, but, Here's the other thing, right? You go back to week 10 of last year, week 11 of last year, really, and eight targets was his floor, essentially. 
eight targets is a ceiling now. He had one game of six in there, but I mean, eight targets was his floor. Eight targets is a ceiling now, you know, and the other- and maybe and maybe that's where he was, right? I mean, you know, pre Russ injury weeks two, three, four, eleven, nine, eight. Yeah, and I'm not arguing. I don't. don't, Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm not arguing DK Metcalf as a draft prospect, but if the offense is struggling and you're making a playoff push and redraft, he's on timeout. Then, yeah, he's on timeout in there right now. I like. I get. Like, I'm not dropping him. Right? No, you're not dropping him. Yeah, that. that That's where I'm at on this. That was never the argument. Okay. 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 No, I was never saying do you drop him. What I'm saying is, can you afford to keep starting him? No, I think you put him on the bench. Yeah, it wasn't. Do you drop him? It wasn't. You know, do you? go out and sell low or anything like that, because I don't think so. DK Metcalf is way too talented for that, and if this offense still has the firepower to click and you want to have that in your arsenal, but as you make this playoff push, I don't know that you can keep plugging him in while the offense is struggling. And you know what? You may eat a big number on your bench when that happens, but is that worse than eating a really, really low number right now when points are important for tiebreakers and... Wins are super important this late in the season. Yeah, and the hope is, you know, you know, like you, you know, you read off the upcoming opponents for them. Niners without Debo Samuel. We'll see how that offense is clicking. You hope in that game where San Francisco is now producing at a high rate, especially you know, very efficient offense, high scoring offense. We know Debo is a massive part of that, so we'll see how that game script and how that's supposed to fold out. Yeah, we'll get to that. You know, when we get into the game preview, we'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. But you know, Texans. Rams might be tough, and that's the beginning of, of the postseason. 98 Maybe yards it, and two touchdowns last time out against the Rams in a losing yeah. effort, but that was on only five targets. 100% catch so, rate to do it. Yeah, massive. I mean, and that's been, you know, Metcalf's game. He's, I mean, he's arguably impossible. Like, he's very difficult to guard given his size mm-hmm. and, and his, his pure athleticism. You know, he's a downfield threat. Bears and Lions, though, I mean, at that point, it's you'd hope it, it it would be turned around or it would look turned around starting this week, right? We have to like we hope that the Washington game on Monday night was yeah. rock bottom for this offense. I mean, yeah. and, and I watched the last drive of Seattle. The, the offense looked fine. There was some mishaps. There was a misplay on the two point conversion. That it, whatever. That's what we hope to see is that Russ, his confidence is back. Holy He's, shit. What's that? Do you see this yards per target over the last three games on DK? No. Three two three eight three two. That's horrible. They're not working him downfield at all. No. And maybe that's a product of you know poor offensive line. You do like they don't feel like Russ has afforded enough time and Again, that could be mixed. I mean, Russ's ability has he's been he is probably the best quarterback outside of Rogers that can under pressure. the pocket and under pressure and be able to his, make off his off platform throws. His sack rate is down. Let me go check the player profiler on player profile on him and see what some of the pressure numbers are. Thirty fifth in protection rate. That's not particularly good. Um, which we kind of anticipated. Yeah. Nine drops. That's not great. Um, pressured completion percentage is 17th in the league. So middle of the pack there. Where's his... Don't they have a pressure right on here? 
Or is it just protection rate? Either way, protection rate's pretty bad on him. But you know, things we're not obviously shocked by. We know that right. You know, Seattle's, you know, deficiencies is pretty well documented at this point. So and Russ has has been his yeah. pressured completion percentage is about where it was at last year. So again, metrics look good. I just don't know. You know, they're not working him downfield, which maybe Russ's protection rate looks better than that because that's how they're scheming it. But, I mean, that is ugly, those last three games. And it's new, right? And Washington's pass rush was totally neutered. So, you know, San Francisco may be another rough one. I would – we'll talk about it in the game. He's on the bench. But he's on the I bench mean, this week. We know that – we know that – Seattle offense probably on the And then you hope it gets better from there. Yeah. Yep. Um, Lockett's the other way around. Lockett's actually been producing on his lower number of targets, so I think you're fine with that. He's getting the downfield looks for whatever reason. Mixing it up. It's backwards. Mixing it up. Yeah. I mean, both players have been very efficient, great downfield work. In the, in the, I, mean, in the I, past, I don't know where the offense is sputtering right now. Not what Lockett's done recently. The other flip side of this, by the way, Tyler Lockett receiving yards per target of the last three games, 19 and 23, and then two. But 19 <laughs> and 23. Yeah. Wait for Russ to get healthy. Backwards, man. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. Uh, McCaffrey to IR. We're going to talk about him here in a little bit, but just know he's on IR for the second time this year. His season's done. Yeah. Second disappointing year in a row for him. Chuba Hubbard will take over the backfield work there. Debo Samuel to miss one to two weeks with a groin injury. It is considered mild, but they have no reason to to try to push him right now. So, well, they are they are in the the midst of fighting for that for you know fighting for the wild card spots. Thank God for three, I guess in this case. Yeah, but you know, groin injuries, regardless of it, not you know these soft tissues, and we know Debo's history. Yep. So something to monitor. Yeah, they were not overly concerned to start, but they sound like they're going to play it cautious with him. So one to two weeks should. there, Brandon Ayuk should um, take over more of some of that backfield work that Debo normally gets, and I'd expect Kittle to get a little more involved in the passing game. Yeah. Yep. You may, you know, transferred field, not transferred field. I'm sorry, Juwan Jennings. Yeah. We'll see who, uh, who who takes play. We'll see how that offense operates. Right. That's what I'm cons- see, it's most interested in. It's fortunate that Jalen Hurd is just always hurt because Debo getting hurt and you look for a player with that same skill set, right? Hurd would be a perfect fit for oh my God, yeah. something happened to Debo. Same size and ex running back coming out of college. Yeah, but just never <laughs> healthy. Yep. Dalvin Cook, he's going to miss one to two weeks with a shoulder injury. Um, torn labrum again. Yeah, he's been. This has been a problem for his most of his football career, getting back to college too. Yeah. So we'll see. So Madison will get the start, but Kine Noagnu, the name you need to know. Yeah, you should know it because of the return touchdowns. He's hyper athletic. Um, rookie dealt with injuries in college, so there wasn't a lot of productivity there. Hyper athletic guy, very much like Jarek McKinnon. They will find ways to use him, I think. Also, torn Achilles was that injury in college, was one of the injuries in college. Yep. So 
it's uh I hope they find a way to use it more, right? Yeah. I've never been a big Madison fan, so I'm really hoping they find a way to see it. I can a perspective ad. Yeah. Darren Waller, uh week to week, IT band in his knee. He's doubtful for this week. Foster Moreau is his backup. Uh big ass red zone threat. Um make it a little bit more out of uh Brian Edwards as well. We hope. <laughs> Probably not. At this point, who knows? Yeah. DeAndre Swift is dealing with an AC joint injury. He is expected to miss this week, potentially. Uh, Jamal Williams is his backup and the only one worth knowing. And then Dan Arnold, the IR. James O'Shaughnessy um, got plugged. O'Shag Hennessy. O'Shag Hennessy. He got plugged in there at the end. Um, and straight into the Dan Arnold role for targets. So just another name to know amongst the mess of tight ends. That's right. All right. So the next exercise I want to do, we talked about zero RB in the intro, talked about zero RB on, on Twitter. So I want to look at the last couple of years of zero RB and compared to other positions and let's see how it holds up. So we're going to pick three or four random years here and just take a look-see, shall we? Let's do it. I'm going to start with 2014 because oh. that should be fun, right? That should be fun. And we're totally going to remember all of that. Now I'm going to pull player profiler over here to the other side. All right. In 2014, any guesses at who the first back taken was in PPR? Oh, my God, at 14? Mm-hmm. It was good then. It's been so. It's been forever. Uh Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy. Um, pretty solid season. He had three hundred rush, three hundred carries, thirteen hundred yards, five touchdowns. Um, another hundred fifty-five receiving. So pretty good year. I'm not sure where that puts him at. You know, in terms of running back wise, but I don't think you're disappointed by that. No. All right. Your number two for the Kansas City Chiefs was Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles. And he was being drafted pretty much second. Um, 2.7 was his ADP. So second, third pick, whatever. That was 2014. Jamal Charles in 2014. 1,000-yard season, 200 carries, played 15 games, nine tutters, uh, another 291 yards receiving on 40 receptions. So that's running back. It's a running back one. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Peterson was your RB3, filling the Derrick Henry role nicely. He was uh, <laughs> close to your fourth pick in 2014. That's the year he got hurt. So he had an injury. Oh, is that the suspension year? Uh, one game. I think that's the injury year. Was it? He played one game. Yeah. Then it had to be the injury year because he was suspended before the season started. Yeah, it was the injury year. He had one game that year. So in his age twenty nine season. So your first real disappointment, I'm assuming, in this one. You're running back four, going at six. We'll go through the first. Uh, we'll call it the first two rounds worth of running backs. How about that? Okay. Was Eddie Lacy. Oh my God. Fat Eddie Lacy. Fat Eddie Lacy in 2014. 249 rushes, 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns. 
42 receptions for 400 yards. RB1. One another the RB. Would have been an RB1 easily. All right, so the first four guys, still in round one, by the way. He was suspended in 2014. Peterson was. That was the that uh, was a suspension year. That was the the switch year with the kid. Mm. I looked it up. Nice. Looked up his injury history. It's very long, but I I I, I knew it was one of those years. I just wanted to make sure what it was. Yeah. Uh, Matt Forte in 2014, thousand yards on the ground, 800 yards through the air, 100 targets, 102 receptions. Huge year for him. So so far. We're through round one now, right? Sure. I don't see anybody there I'm disappointed with in 2014. Obviously, Peterson, but, you know. Peterson was a suspension, suspension. though. That's not injury or lack of anything. Now, this is where I start to think there is some truth to zero running back when you get down to this next set. So the RB6, here's a name for you, Monty Ball. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That'd be his rookie. That that had to have been sophomore season. Yeah, sophomore. That was after I think Northshawn Monroe left. Well, he he only played two seasons. No, I'm yeah. Yeah. God, I forgot he played yeah, that's right because he got yeah. Oof. Just fifty five Russia is one hundred and seventy two yards. Okay, so Monty Ball is the first person you're disappointed with. Injuries. Only played a couple games. There's your volatility, Monty Ball was at the very end of the first round. Okay. Then you hit DeMarco Murray. Great year in 2014. That was the dominant Dallas year. It was indeed the dominant Dallas year. He had eight straight, eight or nine straight games at 100 yards plus. 392 rushes, 1,800 yards, 13 touchdowns, 57 receptions, 2,500 yards total. Hmm. Dominant. that's, That's still not bad, is it? RB1 that year. Yep. Uh, Marshawn Lynch was your RB8. You would have been probably fine. Yep. I don't think he ever got hurt much. Nope. During his Seattle days. 2014, you were good. 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns, 300 receiving yards. All right. So, so far, I'm not really seeing a good argument here for zero RB in 2014. Well, the next two. How about that? I don't want to go too long-winded with this. Nine and yep. ten. Giovanni Bernard and Doug Martin. Gio would have been bad because Cincinnati never had any back-to-back. He would have been, I, don't, I, I don't know if he was bad. I, I know he got hurt because that was probably the Jeremy Hill. He year. had 1,000 scrimmage yards um, in 13 games. 680 on the ground, five touchdowns through the air, 300 yards on 43 receptions. Oh, he was good. So, no, he was he was uh, very serviceable. He had a thousand scrimmage yards, being serviceable. Doug Martin that had to be bad. Doug Martin then. Uh, yeah, because it was an even year, and it was. Yeah. So that's <laughs> right. You're was. disappointed with two of your top ten there: Doug Martin, Monty Ball, Adrian Peterson from volatility, 70 percent hit rate. Through a top 10. After that, you get to Andre Ellington. I don't know how that went. Arian Foster, Shane Vereen, Le'Veon Bell. Um, basically, the only other guy... Well, Andre Ellington and Arian Foster are the only other two that sniffed the second round. At Lev Bell, I think that was the start of good Lev Bell. Yeah. And Andre Ellington was very close to what Gio Bernard was. He was close to 1,000 yards. Yeah. So... You're okay with that, and I think this was good Arian Foster year too. 
Maybe. I think because it was that, Texans, the, Arian Foster. That was still Houston, so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, 1,200 yards, eight tutters. So, yeah, you're you're good with that, right? And then some of the guys that were going later on, right, let's go kind of that round six range where you want to start finding some of these guys. You had New York Jets, Chris Johnson, Bishop oh, Sankey. Oh, God. Oh, Bishop Sankey. Oh, gross. Danny Woodhead, which was okay. Las Vegas, Maurice Jones, Drew. Oh, God. They're, yeah, the later years of his career. Yeah. yeah. Trent Richardson. Oof. That was, that's so Cleveland, right? Should that, be. Yeah, that's that so was Indy. No, that's right. He left Cleveland already. Yeah, so he was already. Trent Richardson. Darren Sproles in Philly. Fred Jackson, Lamar Miller. No Sean Moreno. Miami, no Sean Moreno. No Sean? Yeah, because he left. And, and that was where everybody yeah. was on Monty Ball. Atlanta, Steven Jackson. He was so good then. Yeah, let's look. So he had a couple of decent years, I thought. In Atlanta, he did. So uh that was just okay. Seven hundred yards. Yeah, about eight hundred scrimmage yards. It's just okay. So basically what I take from that, right? What I take from that is your hit rate on running backs is a lot higher in that first round than it was late. You could find things late, but you weren't finding much. In comparison, the wide receivers that went in those first two rounds, I'm not going to check on all of them. We're just going to go from memory here. Hold on. I got to go back down there. Devontae Adams was not the wide receiver one in 2014. Nope. Calvin Johnson, Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant, AJ Green were your first round of wide receivers. That all makes sense, right? Should be. Okay. Julio Jones, Brandon Marshall, Antonio Brown, Jordy Nelson, Alshon Jeffrey, Randall Cobb, Keaton Allen. Rounding out the first couple. Got Randall Cobb, second round pick. But let's do this. Let's get down to round three. Pierre Garcon in Washington. Wow. Okay. Larry Fitzgerald, Emmanuel Sanders in Denver, Victor Cruz. Can't remember if that was good Victor Cruz year or that not. Was, that was after good Victor Cruz, because I think that was the start of his bad. That was the start of the injuries. In 2014? I think it's when it was. I think by that point, he was he was coming. He yeah. was trying to battle back from injuries. It was. Arizona, Michael Floyd. Seattle, Percy <laughs> Harvin. Oh, boy. Then Michael Julian Floyd. Edelman, Michael Crabtree in San Francisco, T.Y. Hilton during his breakout, Torrey Smith. Luck, yeah. Washington. Torrey did... Smith was a third-round pick? Oh, wait. No, he wasn't a third-rounder. He was into the fifth. Oh, God. Even yeah, I forgot just how the true volatility. I think he had I'm one. Sorry. He had a couple really good years, though, didn't he? He had he had flashes. He was no, very, just 700 very volatile. Yards. So... You know, 2014 was such a different time because you're not finding a lot of value there late. That was the boom of the rookie receivers, too. Yeah. That was the massive. I mean, there was a lot of that was, you know, just you know, thinking back on it. Right. That was the back and blow up here because that was the year I drafted Peterson at Peterson. I had Monty Ball and I had traded for and ended up having Ray Rice. That was the year Ray Rice and Delvin Cook or Delvin Cook, Adrian Peterson had theirs. Massive suspensions. Obviously, Wright's out of the league. Some names you could have gotten late that year. 
um, DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Yep. Mike Evans. Rookie, rookie. Yep. That was uh, Calvin Benjamin was one of the better rookies that year. Yep. Calvin Benjamin was in there. Uh, Reggie Wayne, you could have gotten late. Golden Tate, Brandon Cooks, Wes Welker. You know, wasn't drafted probably. Odell Beckham Jr. Marcus Colston. He was hurt. Um, yeah, the deepest this goes is Jermaine Curse. <laughs> okay, Brian Hartline. Yeah. Cecil, Odell Beckham was the uh, Lord Cecil and Savior. Shorts. So I Cecil mean, Shorts. nice. Just drawing a conclusion there, right? Looking at some of these names, and this is more of a fun exercise too. I'm hoping some people are going down memory lane through this as we talk, but you're not getting a lot of value later rounds then. So let's look at something more recent, right? Because 2014 is kind of a bad look. How about 2017? Let's go to our first year. First, okay. One of the first times we really dove into zero RB, right? I mean, I had, I had done, I had done wide receiver heavy starts. This was before zero RB had really had a term. Yep. And now you have, modified zero rb you have hero rb you know you have all sorts of terms to basically distinguish i like a modified you... zero rb by the way that's kind of where i say give me one guy in yeah, the I, first couple I, rounds me. and then i'll try to hit something late that's me with that the same thing as like hero rb where your your first couple picks are yeah one of your first two picks is a running back yeah. if a dominance and that's how i drafted a lot this year all right 2017 good. the running back one David Johnson. Of course. Not good. Pre pre wrist injury. Hurt, you know, you know, game one out for the year. Yep. Hurt game one out for the year. Okay. Not great. Nope. RB two, Le'Veon Bell. That was fine. That was, that was his last good year, right? Uh because he I thought eighteen yes, was that was the, his last good year because eighteen's the one he sat out with a contract dispute. Yep. So Le'Veon Bell had his last good year. We know Zeke was good that year. Devonta Freeman was your RB4. My high times have changed. Yeah, that was riding off of the the hyper-efficient. I want to say that 17 was the downfall of Devonta Freeman. Or that it was the year before. I don't remember. It was one of those two years. The year after was the downfall of Freeman. Okay, year after was. He was okay. Was. You wouldn't take him as the four, but he was, a, you know, 1,200 scrimmage yards and... Eight touchdowns. That was when the efficiency dipped a Eight lot. total touchdowns. Yeah, you can tell the wear and tear really hit him. Yeah, he also saw a big drop, about a drop. Well, he missed two games. So carries were about the same. Efficiency was a little bit down um, as a runner, but it was still a solid season for him, but not somebody you'd take as the four, right? It's, it's, not, the, it's not first round good. No, not first round good. Again, we'll do the first two rounds on this. Um, LaShawn McCoy in Buffalo. Jesus that was Christ. The year he regrew his knee three times. <laughs> I can't. Oh, my God. LaShawn McCoy was good. So, you know, you've got one miss because of injury, one miss because of ineffectiveness. Melvin Gordon. He had to have been good still. He had to have been. That may have been one of his better years. He's still I, good, but yeah. He's uh, still good. He's he's still uh, pissing off Javante Williams guys every is. week. Nope, that was his statistically best year. It was the only That's, year he cleared yep. a thousand rush yards. So you were good on Melvin Gordon. He's done it once. Yeah, only once on the ground. 
Wow. He's who would have thought? Well, injuries, right? He's only played. Oh six, yeah, true. He's only played sixteen games once. He had a good year the year after, but missed four games. And was it nine ninety seven the year before when he got hurt and ended his season? So yeah, that's right. He's that's right. Only cleared it once. He really should have cleared it three times, four times if you count last year. Yeah, you look at it like a yards per game basis. Game or probably two. Be, yeah. yeah. So yards per game, like not a big fall off. But Domination. Yeah. Um, the next one was a miss. I can almost guarantee the next one was a miss, I think. Was it was it Eddie Lacy? Jay Ajayi. Oh, my God. That was right. Because we kept pounding the table for people to not take him. And that's when he went to Philly. That was yeah, because that was right after that that Mid-season. massive end of year stretch. Yep, when he had like eight hundred yards and it like was still six all right, games. thousand scrimmage yards, but only two touchdowns. So you're probably disappointed with that. He was atop the second round pick. Your running back eight was Demarco Murray. Uh, uh Tennessee should be still. That was Tennessee Demarco Murray. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, that last was, year there, I think too. Yep, that was not good. Oh, DeMarco's? Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. Nope. He didn't have a good time in, in Tennessee. Yeah. He got, in, got worse in Philly. Yeah. You had Jordan Howard is the nine. He was going 204. <laughs> Over 1,000 yards now. for Jordan Howard that year, nine touchdowns. So you're not disappointed. Though. So, so far, you've missed. We got one more to go. Kareem Hunt in Kansas City. We know he was good. So. Yes. You've got Le'Veon, no, sorry, David Johnson due to injury. Devonta Freeman was a miss. J.H.I.E., DeMarco Murray. So your first misses are in the second round that aren't injury-related. You can't predict injuries. Yep. J.H.I.E., DeMarco Murray. Then to round out your first two rounds was Todd Gurley. He was good that year. that, That was... Dominant Gurley. That was year one dominant Gurley. Yep. And then Christian McCaffrey. Awesome. He was good down the stretch. Didn't score a lot of touchdowns, but he was over 100 targets. Yes. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah. Then you had that was the, that was the, the true running back renaissance was 17. Yep. And then you go beyond that, you start to hit some higher misses, right? You had Fournette and Cook, who you're fine with, but then there's Isaiah Crowell thrown in there. Oh, um, I don't bring up Crowell. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Wolf, Lamar all Miller, of us. Joe Mixon was down in there. Bilal Powell, Bilal Powell, wow. Doug Martin, C.J. Anderson, Meatball. C.J. Anderson, I actually think was decent that year. He was, yeah. I think, yeah, it, it had been because that was before the girly injury started to amount to. I think he was still fine with them. C.J. was in Denver. Denver, year. yeah. That was before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, over a thousand yards for CJ Anderson. So you're fine with that. And that's in the fifth round. So in the fifth round, you had CJ Anderson, Amir Abdullah. It's hard to believe he ever went that high. Where Mark, did Mark Ingram? In Mark those Ingram guys was the 24th running back off the board at uh, the end of the fifth. What was Peterson? Because that was Peterson, one of Saints here. Yeah, Peterson was the 28th running back off the board, right behind Rob Kelly, right before Devin Coleman. <laughs> Where's Kamara? Mike Gillisley. Oh, fuck Gillisley. Or is Kamara taken? Or was he not on the... Or, or, or was he not drafted? I think he was not drafted. but Because that was the... Uh, I think Peterson lasted, what, four games? And he went to the Cardinals. He did. 
and had a slight had some boom left, and that was about it. Camara was the running back fifty one. He was behind Jeremy Hill ahead of Marlon Mack. He ended as the RB three. Yep. Here. So, I mean, that's a fine, but here's the other guys you're trying to pick through, right? And this is why I argue it, because the hit rate is so low down here, right? So this is why I argue against it. You get outside of the top 24 running backs, right? So the running back 24 was Mark Ingram. You get outside okay. of that, your hit rate's pretty high. You have below that, get ready for some names, Danny Woodhead in Baltimore. Injured. Yeah, he, age, he had one good year there. Age 36 season. God, 36. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Or maybe these ages are right now. Yeah, these are right now ages. Okay, okay. Um, Mike Gillisley. <laughs> Rob Kelly. Oh, God. Adrian so Peterson. Bad. Tevin Coleman. Bad, bad. Darren McFadden in Dallas. Yeah, that was the end of his career. Year before Zeke. Was that, that was no, that was a Zeke. That was the no, no, that was the year before. That was the Zeke suspension year. Oh, yeah. Zeke was 2016 draft class. So that that was uh that was I think Zeke had that was when people didn't know when Zeke was going to get suspended, and Zeke was being pushed to the third round. I thought was that year. Oh yeah, 2017. Yeah, that'd yeah, be that yeah. year. Darren McFadden played one game. Yeah, because Dar- Zeke never got suspended till like week ten. Yeah, Derrick Henry, theoretic. Paul Perkins. <laughs> Frank Gore, Terrence West. Terrence West. LeGarrette Blunt, Duke Johnson, Thomas Rawls, Jacuzzi Rogers, Jonathan Stewart. And now I'm down into the 10th round. Or no, I'm not down to the 10th round. Sorry. We'll get we'll take it to the 10th round. How about that? Round six through ten. James White, who you're fine with. Eddie Lacey in Seattle. Rex Burkhead. <laughs> Jamal Williams in Green Bay. Darren Sproul. That was when you didn't know if it was going to be Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones because they're both rookies. Yep. Darren Sproul's Jamal Charles in Denver. Samaje P. Ryan. CJ Procise, Matt Forte in the Jets, Jeremy Hill. So there are definitely things in 2017 you could have hit on, but your success rate was much higher in the draft. Meanwhile, so your top 24 backs, they died at. The ADP of 57. I think zero RB had one guy that year. And and guys, yeah. remember zero RB, it, it's predicated on punting running back, and then you have to play the waiver perfectly. Yep. So you have to. Yep. So your 12th running back went at the end of the second round, right? Yep. Okay. So wide receivers in that same range. Before the end of the second round, there are only seven. No, there weren't. Sorry. I forget. This keeps refreshing. Wide receivers before the end of the second round. They're a little more than that. Should be. Yep. Antonio Brown. Before, he was good that before year. Before he went off the deep end. Julio Jones. Odell Beckham. That was injury. I took his year that year. Yep. Mike Evans. A.J. Green. Jordy Nelson. Michael Thomas, Brandon Cooks, Des Bryant, Amari Cooper, Doug Baldwin, Keenan Allen. Pretty sure that's a hundred percent hit rate. A lot of them were. I think there was. I think that had been Mike Evans' miss. Mike Evans' low touchdown year. Yeah. So, but here's the other thing, right? Oh, there's Martavis Bryant. Remember him? Oh my God. 
But here's the other thing, right? Let's get in, down to that range where you're trying to find zero RB because that's where the hit rate's going to matter more with how you play this. You're always going to hit near the top. Yeah. So well, down yeah. in the range where you're trying to pick out zero RB, right? Those rounds six, five through ten, basically. So you had Larry Fitzgerald, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Parker, Allen Robinson. Good still? Jacksonville. No, not at the end of his. That's right, because 18 was when he went to Chicago. I think 17 is when he tore his ACL. No, that was Chicago year one, right? Nope, 17 was the ACL tear. Okay. So Allen Robinson, Jamison Crowder, breakout year. Okay, breakout year. Okay. Jarvis Landry. He's always serviceable. Giants branded Marshall. I forgot about that. Wait, he really? Yeah. I I I completely forgot about that. It says New York Giants. That might be a typo. That's gotta. He never played with the. No, that had to have been. It had to be the Jets. Jets. Had to be the Jets. I I, maybe he did. I'm 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 gonna pull this up. It is the New York Giants. Wow, he. They had to be like five receptions or 15 games. He had 33 targets, 154 yards. Wow. He played for Seattle, too. He did. That was his final team. Yep. Um, God, he was he bad. But anyway, Jesus. so your hits there, though, right? Stefan Diggs was a hit. Larry Fitzgerald would have been a hit. Jamison Crowder, Jarvis Landry would have been hits. Uh, I don't remember San, San Francisco, Pierre Garcon. I don't think it was good because that was. Remember they Ram- were bad. Remember they Rams, were bad that year. Sammy, Sammy Watkins. I did. I do. Not Cooper Cup. Great that year. That was our. our that was the glimpse of the yeah. McVay era. Yep. Um. You also had Robert Woods there too. Yeah, Robert Woods was there, but some other guys. I mean, Annual Sanders was down in that range. Uh, Willie Sneed had a big year that year. I'm pretty sure. Was that Saints Willie Sneed? Yeah. And and, and, the, and Broncos Emmanuel Sanders. And Broncos Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So your hit rate, yeah. Is, well, eight games, 500 yards for Garcon. So when he was healthy, he was fine. Uh, kind kind of kind yeah, of. I don't know if that's a hit. Yeah, Randall Cobb last year in Green Bay. Um, you had Adam Thielen down there. That had been, I think that was second half breakout Thielen. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Jones was solid. John Brown, Corey Davis, first year in Tennessee. Not great, but Cooper cup is down there as your 50th wide receiver off the board. You play your rookies, right? So your hit rate on wide receiver in that range, a lot higher. Okay. I want to look at two more years and then we'll move on. Okay. Let's look at 2020. You want to do 2019 or 2020? Let's do 19. All right, 2019. Top two rounds of running backs really quick because this is fresh in our memory and we should be okay to do that. Okay. 2019 was just yesterday, right? Pretty much. Saquon Barkley. Great. He, he Wait, he was? Yeah, that was year one. He was that the RB1. That was after year one, Barkley. Yeah, he yep. was so good that year. Yep. Alvin Kamara. That was after Mark Ingram left. So yep. good. Lots of touchdowns. He was good that year. He, not a lot of touchdowns. He had a lot of production. Christian McCaffrey. 
Dominant, dominant. one McCaffrey. Zeke Elliott, very good. James Conner, banged up. That's that last. That must have been last last year, Pittsburgh. Yeah, that that yeah. was last year in Pittsburgh. So right? the first no, that was never mind. First four were good. Then you had a dumpster fire. James Conner, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell with the Jets. Oh God, Le'Veon Bell. Yep. But then you start to come around again. Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Todd Gurley was all right. Was that Very year one Atlanta? No, that was last year L.A. When the knee injuries started biting him second half. Yeah. But he still had volume. Joe Mixon beat up Leonard Fournette, Damian Williams. So starting to make a little bit more sense here, right, as we, we grow up. So Damian Williams was the end of your second round. So let's drop down now to pick 48. So the end of the fourth round. Down there, Philip Lindsay. Breakout year, first year. Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, Darius Geis, Lamar Miller, Tariq Cohen, Latavius Murray, Kenyon Drake, Solid Year, Pollard, Singletary, Matt Burita, Darwin Thompson, LaShawn McCoy. So, really, again, right? Not a high yep. hit rate down low. You don't have a lot of hits in 2019 on running backs that you feel great about, actually. Maybe in the middle rounds where you have Aaron Jones who put up a boatload of touchdowns and Chris Carson. Um, you know, these are down in round three. Josh Jacobs, first year in Vegas. Mark Ingram's blow up year in Baltimore was uh, in the middle of round four. You know, Melvin Gordon's last year at the Chargers, you were fine with. Derrick Henry, um, his blow up year down there in round four. So, I mean, you still didn't want to wait until late rounds on a running back here. You wanted to get your guys in the first four rounds. Meanwhile, the wide receiver front, right, your other key cogs, your top end's fine, but let's go look at what you could have gotten in the later rounds at wide receiver if you went running back heavy first. Tyler Lockett. Nope, sorry, that's this year. Yeah. All right, here we go. Let's go. Starting Fire him off. ADP 47-1. Kenny Galladay, Detroit. Okay. T.Y. Hilton. Ooh, that would have been bad. 2019 T.Y. Hilton? Was that with, because that was after Luck retired, right? Um, No. That was, that was that the Brissette? That was. Okay. Or that the year before? That was the Brissette year. So, yes. That he was okay. That yeah. Been, he would have been all right. He was hurt. Um. That was the year Luck retired. So, okay. T.Y. Hilton, Tyler Boyd. Good. Good, yep. Calvin Ridley. Very, he had 10 touchdowns. I mean, he was very touchdown dependent, but decent. That was, really, that was year Skipped two. over Josh Gordon there. <laughs> uh, A.J. Green. Jarvis Landry again. First year in Cleveland. D.J. Moore. Robbie Anderson. Alshon Jeffrey. Allen Robinson. Denver, Manny yeah. Sanders again, Will Fuller, Christian Kirk, Sterling Shepard, Valdez Scantling. God, Jesus. Fitz Pettis rough. Davis. It's all rough down there, right? That, that is brutal. All right, let's look at this year. All right, ready? This, this is going to be bad. This yeah. is very running back dependent, right? Yeah. Okay, here you go. McCaffrey's hurt. Cook is currently hurt for a couple weeks. Kamara's missed three weeks hurt. Zeke Elliott, um, good. Probably going to be fine. That's your RB4. Derrick Henry's hurt. Austin Eckler, 
very good. Aaron Jones has fallen off of a clip. So you got one guy up there right now that hasn't killed you at some point this season. But overall, when you look back on this, you're not going to be disappointed that Dalvin Cook missed two weeks, right? I mean, Derrick Henry was the best running back, arguably, in football. Until he got injuries. hurt. Yeah. yeah so Nick Chubb, definitely not mad about that. Nick Chubb has dealt with injuries. Yeah. Um, Najee Harris has been fine, but definitely definitely <laughs> not worth uh, into the first round like we all predicted he wouldn't be. Yeah. Saquon Barkley beat up. Jonathan Taylor's been the best back in football. He was the 2-1. Can't believe people faded him. I can't believe people are parading around touting a victory for zero RB when we just looked at scattered seasons over the last six years, and there has never been an injury season like this to running backs. Just in general, too, and it's all it's all over the place. I yeah. mean, it feels like we're losing people left and right, running backs, receivers, I mean, quarterbacks. Like, just to running backs, Antonio <laughs> Gibson's missed time hurt. So Joe Mixon, your next best guy. It nineteen four, so he's going towards the back end of the second. Yep, Edwards Alaire's missed time. Dave Montgomery's missed time. James Robinson has missed time. Chris Carson is missing time. Josh Jacobs has been pretty meh. DeAndre, he's he's come apart though. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta give it up to Jacobs. He's doing the, fine. The but, Raiders are actually getting him involved in the passing game, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, and you it know, took him till year three. And you know what though. He was a back of the second, back of the third round pick. DeAndre Swift back of the third round. Then Miles Sanders missed time hurt. Miles Gaskin uh, starting to come on a little bit, but you know very yeah, sporadic. It, it was ugly to start the year. It was very ugly. Yes. Mike Davis nothing going. Gus Edwards missed time hurt. Daryl Williams not been great. Javante Williams splitting time. Damian Harris has been good. So this is the one year you can look at, and this is the opportunistic thing, and say zero RB this year made sense because almost everybody taken in the first. This is like zero whatever year because you look at because because wide receivers is the same way, right? We're about to Hopkins, Ridley, yeah, Um, it's rough too. Eighteen, the majority of your top eighteen guys, seventeen guys, sorry. Have missed time. The only two people, only three people, sorry, in that top 17 that have not missed four. Four of top 17 have not missed time. Zeke Elliott. Who he might miss this week, but I don't, yeah. I don't think he will. Austin know. Eckler missed a little bit of time. One game, I think. Yeah. So Zeke, Eckler, Najee, Taylor, Mixon. 33% of those guys have not missed time. There's not been another year like that. If I go back to 2020, you know how many of the top guys missed time? McCaffrey and Barkley. That's it. End of list. (laughs) And Cook, what, missed the final two games of the year? Yeah, two games is just something we... Yeah. It's a thing. But running backs is almost like... It wasn't good, but... Yeah. Yeah. 2018, year we didn't look at. Todd Gurley was the RB1. He missed time. Left Bell, obviously contract dispute. David Johnson missed time. And then Zeke, Kamara, Barkley. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Fournette was fine. Melvin Gordon was good. Kareem Hunt, that was the year. He ended up going to Cleveland. He played half the year, dominant yeah. half the year. Video came out and was gone for us. I think he yeah. played 11 games that year. Yeah. Dalvin Cook was good. Jordan Howard yep. in Chicago. 
That was the final year he was bad. Yeah, he was bad. Joe Mixon injured. Anyway, you've not had an injury season like this with that many guys. All right, so now the other argument, right? It's happening everywhere. Let's look at that. Wide receivers for this year. Devontae Adams healthy. Tyreek Hill healthy. Adams missed a few games. Well, relatively healthy. I think he missed Hill too. Yeah. Tyreek Hill healthy. Stefan Diggs healthy. Hopkins has missed time. Calvin Ridley. No one could have seen that coming. Nope. DK Metcalf ineffective right now. Yep. Jefferson's been good. AJ Brown's hurt. So injury's not nearly as prominent here, right? Sure. But Keenan Allen, healthy. Terry McLaurin, healthy. CeeDee Lamb missed one game due to a concussion. Allen Robinson has been missing time. Robert Woods missing time. Mike Evans, healthy. Amari Cooper missed one game due to COVID. He's missing this game, too. Uh, oh, he traveling. traveled with him. Game time decision. Yeah, he's, he's Co- going to play. Cooper Cup, healthy. Deontay Johnson, healthy. Chris Godwin, healthy. Tyler Lockett, healthy. Through the first four rounds. This is why the zero running back guys are doing laps. But here, let's rain on their parade a little bit, right? What wide receivers could I have gotten in that zero RB range? Adam, I know Cooper Cup's one of them. Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen, Brandon Ayuk, DJ Moore, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, Samuel, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool. Um, Antonio Brown, who's been hurt. Yeah. Um, let's see. Devonta Smith was down there. Juju, Juju before he got hurt. Cortland Sutton's down there. He had some good weeks. Jamar Chase is down here. Debo Samuel's down here. Michael Pittman's down here. Jalen Waddle's down here. Um, Jacoby Myers is down here. Darnell Mooney is starting to come along. Elijah Moore. Hmm. Doesn't really seem like zero RB would have been the the be-all, end-all of this, right? It sounds like that if I'd gone high-end RB and taken my wide receivers in that range, that I'm still perfectly okay. This really was a year where you just waited until later, right? Because the variance in wide receivers, it's not so much that wide receivers are hurt, it's that it's deep, and that's what we said coming into this year, right? Oh, yeah. We touted that you go running back early because of how deep wide receiver was, and because six people get hurt, that's not wrong. It's, uh... It's been a year that I joked about that you you go zero draft picks till round six. <laughs> For sure. Because, yeah, I mean, I mean, yes, with injuries, you're, it's all about dodging landmines at this point. That's all it's really been. So it's it's been a rough year. It's been fun. It's just, I mean, some people are just, I mean, it's just some, it's just. That was a long-winded way to say it's bullshit to victory lap zero RB because mm-hmm. you get one obscure season where, you know, 15 of the top running backs have been hurt. It's their RB's always been bullshit. And yeah. we're about to get into another re- potential renaissance of running backs too, with the upcoming classes and what we've seen through, you know, from 2020 and some of these other guys aging out. So you might start to see a little trend back to more RB heavy again, as like most wide things. receivers remain very, very deep and they should as the league's passing more and, running backs coming in there's some uh influx of hopefully very young good talent yep like most things uh moderation is good right i like modified zero rb i, I like balance i don't want to go heavy anything but i'll go rb early just to ensure i get a difference maker i like the 
make sure I get a guy that I feel confident is going to get. Yeah, yeah, a guy that can carry 275, 300 plus touches. Guy that can carry your team week on any given week if you have a dud, not a bad thing. Yeah, a guy who catches passes. All right, let's go to a beer review because I've been sitting on this last sip. We'll go to a beer then... review and then I want to do a um really quick um up down or neutral. Okay. One word reviews on these guys. Okay. 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 All right, like you, I've also been sitting on this last sip, so I'll start. I had the Scario Pina from Three Floyds uh, to Brett, so a little funky to this. Pineapple's kind of falling off of it. Don't get a whole lot of that there. Barrel edge gives some nice tannin towards the back end of it. Really helps to balance out some of the sour up front. It is very sour up front, though. Um, you know, I don't get a boatload of the Brett funkiness towards the back. It's there a little bit. I think mostly, though, the fact that this is musket barrel edge, it helps balance out the sour a little bit. It's unique. Um, it's a unique beer. It's a good beer. I'm happy it was recommended to me. Um yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to say about that. It's unique is what you'd expect from the style, and it definitely comes through unique. It's got good balance. It was pretty easy to drink. A little more sour than I like to drink because, you know, heartburn, and I don't have Tums down here. But other than that, <laughs> pretty good. I get you. All right. Again, Firestone Walkers, Cinnamon Dolce. This is their Cinnamon Vanilla Nitro Stout. Uh, cinnamon's a pretty dominant uh, flavored, very dominant spice in beer. So it will linger through from the nose to the mouth, you know, to first sip to the aftertaste. Uh, vanilla helps to really soften it up. Already it being a nitro, so you are foregoing, our, you know, a carbonation for more of a creamy and decent mouthfeel. I know you had to do your bourbon too, but I, I want to get this in. No, I was just... Okay. The Weagle and I don't plan on doing this for a little bit. I need to savor it for a minute. Okay. I was going to say you haven't even had any yet. That's right. Um, it. So, I mean, if you like, if you like cinnamon, if you like, so, I mean, this is very much in style for this time of year, right? You know, a lot of Mexican style, which offers a lot of cinnamon. True Mexican styles will bring in peppers to it, but it's a lot of that, that those Christmas spices like cinnamon. So, if you like cinnamon beers, I think this is definitely worth the shot to get. Uh, again, because it's nitro, don't forget the hard pour. All Otherwise, right. it will not be the, the best. Okay. That is interesting. I'm going to see what that does for a second. Um, remember, I am tasting this full blind, so I have no idea what I'm drinking on the bourbon front. So we'll get to yes. that after this segment. So real quick, we'll run through and do some dynasty value checks. Um we're not going to debate necessarily if you have want to give your uh, analysis justification, give it like a sentence. We're each going to go through these guys and just say, if we think their values up, it's down or it's neutral to where it was going into the season. Okay. For dynasty. All right. Saquon Barkley. Down. Down. Yeah. I mean, he's injury Injuries. and he's getting older. So, and the explosiveness seems to be zapped when he's on the field. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, 
obviously down. Yeah. Just a second injury riddle drew for him, too. Unlike Barkley, the explosiveness and the productivity still seems to be there, but just injuries again. It's a buy. So. Yeah. Allen Robinson. Uh, murdered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'd be, I, I think he's done. Yeah, it's down. Calvin Ridley. I mean, it's... It's hard. It's... I don't think he's the same. It's probably slightly ticked down, but that might be because of some of the receivers who might be leapfrogging him. Also, the uncertainty of his future. That I mean, too. There's some assumptions. I don't want to assume anything, but you know, we just don't know. So yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, Aaron Jones. Oof. Sell low. So down. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say down to touchdown efficiency is really in the shitter for him. I mean, what's his career going to... I mean, he got re-signed, but I mean, A.J. Dillon, yep. a better version than him right now in their careers. Jalen Waddle, Woo! Flying up high. Very much up for me, too. Like to see his role expand to more deep threat, but we'll see how that turns out. Moving Target forward. volume's there. They're using him. Efficiency's good. He's productive. Year one. Yep. Love it. Mac Jones. You got to love... I mean... It's high. He's growing. He's the best rookie quarterback this year, both fantasy and and real life. He's playing at his upside. Um, doesn't mean there's not more there, right? But we always thought the upside was Mac was Matt Ryan for the most part. I'd say it's slightly up, but not as steep as like a waddle. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I think there's. I think we're waiting for more. Per, you know, Pete Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he'll get there. It's the Patriots and how their offense runs. No, just. He looks good, though, for what yep. they're doing. He's an NFL he looks... player. Exactly what we thought he would be, right? For an NFL player, he looks great. For a fantasy player, he looks kind of meh. He's a QB, too. Yeah. <laughs> through and through. Zach Wilson. He's... Buddy, he might be. He's, he's down pretty low. He's down pretty low. Miles Sanders. This is just to get back at you for what I knew you'd say about Zach Wilson. And he's also down pretty goddamn low. Yeah. Antonio Gibson. I think neutral. I think he is, he's the true neutral. He's continuing to do what he does. Hopefully he can be a little more durable. Yep. J.K. Dobbins. I mean, low off ACL tear. And hasn't shown anything yet. Just flashes, right? So. Yeah, we don't know what a, we don't know what RB1 on the offense uh, Dobbins looks like yet. Yep. Joe Mixon. Rising up, man. Healthy on a good team. I agree. It's up. Uh, Deontay Johnson, somebody I'll talk glowingly about later this year. He is very much on the rise. I'm very glad I was able to get him in one league. He's very much up for me, too. He's fixed the drops issue and looks like the real deal. No drops this year for him, by the way. Yep. AJ Brown. Neutral. Neutral. You can't blame him on this year. No. Too many injuries. And then he's also himself often sputtering. Derrick Henry. I think it's low, man. First major injury, bigger guy with a foot injury have, have always scared me because of my basketball roots. So older too. Older, he's 28. Yep. Um, slightly down, not super down. No, slightly down is a better way. It was yes. a a break, not a list frank or anything like that. So just good. DJ Moore. Neutral. Neutral. Terrence Marshall Jr. He looks like the next Denzel Mims. He's on the downtrend to oblivion. Elijah Moore. 
upturn, man. Just hope that Zach Wilson doesn't kill his his production. Yeah, he's shown he can do it. Ron Dalemore. Uh, it'll be neutral. I'd say slightly down because I think there was an expectation that both him and Elijah produced with relative consistency year one and found ways to get involved. And we saw it from Rondale early, but the flashes haven't been there since. I think I'd say neutral because we're going to, they're going to lose both uh, Kurt and green. So Mm -hmm. next year, that's why I think you'll see his uptick in value in the off season. Michael Thomas. Uh, I think he's low. He's on a new team next year. If you play, yeah, I think it's a big slot though. He's he's on the Antonio Brown career trajectory. Yeah, which Not so good. he's going to be living with Tom Brady soon. Leonard Fournette, Uh neutral. Yeah, age. I mean, I like where he's at, but dynasty. It's neutral. Short term, I think, I think it was buying. up. Yeah. Oh, short term is definitely up. Short term was up, but as a long term asset, it's neutral. Yep. Javonta Williams. People are are too high. Saw a poll. He was he was the fourth ranked on this poll that featured all the top running backs. Very concerned about it. It's, he's already peaked at the ceiling, but I mean he's he he is going up. It's neutral for me. Um, I think Javonta Williams is about what we expected him to be this year when he landed in Denver coming into the season, which was a kind of a split role with Melvin Gordon. I think the best you could have hoped for was that he took over the backfield. Hasn't really managed to eat into Gordon's touches, so he's neutral for me. He's met expectations, but yep. obviously we know how that's going to look like as as Denver shakes up next year. Jerry Judy. Oh, my God. Neutral? I think people are just kind of waiting to see what Denver does with the QB situation with, with some of the news, but I, th- I still think it's neutral. Cortland Sutton, given his new contract. I think people are a little down because he's not entering with the new team, but I'd say it's still neutral. It's you're not as excited because you hope that he'd get onto a roster that wants to throw more, but yeah, anyways. Patrick Mahomes. If anyone's low on him, they're doing it wrong. Should yeah. be neutral. Justin Herbert. Neutral. Expectations, maybe some you know, sophomore year. You know, a lot like Baker, a lot of lot riding at him. Maybe a little too much. He's still been good this year, though. He's been very good. He's yeah. he's been good. I think I think that that bad stretch in the middle part of the season is what people are looking at too. Yeah. No, a little bump in the road, but not a full sophomore slump at all. Yep, exactly. Debo Samuel. Oh, gotta be on the rise. Just gotta hope he stays healthy. You gotta yeah. hope his groin thing isn't serious. I don't think it is, but yeah, he's he's been good. Um, it's been, he's, it, I think just he's been, been good. good. It's, been, uh, it's a bit underselling how dominant he's he been. He is everything you wanted A.J. Brown to be. No, he's everything you wanted healthy Christian McCaffrey to be this year. That's how good he's been as a runner. Yeah. He just doesn't, it's not his role. Nope. He's basically, he's basically, you know, LaVisca. He's everything you wanted LaVisca to be. Yeah. Or he's a giant Tavon Austin. Yeah. He's, you know, Size size worthy receiver who who is actually good. Yep, Brandon Ayuk, and this is kind of a tricky one. I think it was low to now neutral. I think that, he's been their leading receiver. So I think <laughs> it's weird. 
And here's why I say <laughs> I, it's I know, weird, right? I know. I, it's very, it's, 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 it's different. It's down. His dynasty value is down, but not because of anything he did. He's actually showing what I think he needed to show. So it's kind of up from where I had him valued, but it's down from where I think the community had him valued. I think he's more neutral. I think he's right where he should be right now. Yeah, which obviously, you know, about as neutral, he is about as neutral as neutral can get. So I think people have, he has finally reemerged to where people want him to be not maybe in part because of Debo but I think the slow start through some cold, through some uh cold water oh, through a lot I mean were people were way high on him people were very concerned most people didn't sell if you were high you didn't sell because you just had to ride the wave because you weren't going to sell low on your favorite guy but it's 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 definitely been a nice turnaround for him so far and Russell or sorry DK Metcalf I uh, I still think it's neutral, but there is some concerns. I can definitely see where the low concerns can come from. Or you visited into here, Russell Wilson. Uh he should be neutral. People are going to be low. He is yeah. a, he is a screaming buy at super flex leagues. All right, thirty three years old. People, this bourbon review before we get into uh, the final go. Let's do it. All right, couple things we look at. Do I think it's a rye or a bourbon? I think it's a bourbon for okay. the for the most part. Um, but I think it's a high rye bourbon. Proof-wise, I'm going to go with this is over 120 proof. It's very warm. Ooh, um, so high rye bourbon, over 120 proof. Um, age-wise, it's got good depth, but I don't think it's super age. I'm going to go the six to eight-year range probably with this. Okay, okay. Um on the nose is where I get a lot of the rye notes. I get a lot of peppermint and also like milk chocolate. I get a lot of mint and a lot of milk chocolate. There are some fruit notes underneath of that. Um, a lot of baking spice to this. A lot of peppery spice to this. And the proof comes through really, really hot on the back end. It's not young because there's a lot of depth over it, but it is very hot on the way down. I'm just thinking Larceny's barrel proof. So... Yeah, I'm trying to think. Well, larceny is weeded, so that's my only thing that takes me off of larceny is that with it yeah, being weeded, I wouldn't expect some of the like peppermint tea, exactly rye yeah, type notes out through. of it and spices to come out of it like it is. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I was wrong about bourbon or rye or this came through as like a Michter's barrel proof rye because um, this is top shelf calendar, so that's the other thing i do know is that these okay, bottles should okay, all be top. these bottles should secondary all be above 75 bucks um it could be a booker's batch but i don't know the rye content in this compared to what else it is is like something i haven't really tasted before so let's go take a look and let me see what it is so i have to go to a website for this under events. This is going to be the Illinois Top Shelf Calendar. Hmm. Stag Junior Batch Fifteen. Well, you're right on bourbon. Stag Junior, though. Yeah. Oh, nice person. Well, like that's, I said, this is that's a, not a cheap. That is not a cheap bottle. 
I know what I put in this one, right? So, I mean, these are not cheap bottles. This is designed to be the the higher-end stuff. That's why it's a Patreon one. It is eight years minimum and 131.1 proof. So. Spot on. Proof, age. Black pepper. I don't know what mash bill this is. Hold on. Let me see if I can figure out what the rye content is. So this is, I think it's Buffalo Trace number two, mash bill. Mash bill number one, which is Buffalo Trace has, I think, four mash bills that they use, by the way. They call call them out by number. So mash bill number one is the lower eye mash bill, 10%. So the black pepper just really comes out on this, I guess. I guess so. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I got a lot more rye off of this than I probably normally would. Either way, if you can get get your hands on one, um, they do. I think it's yearly releases on this. Might be twice yearly releases on this. Um, it is rather difficult to find. They did just draft the junior off of it to just stag. Yeah. Um, it is. It is very high proof. I mean, one thirty one is the second highest proof bourbon I've ever drank. So. Yeah, well, third, but it's good. Very deep, very unique, really hot, really hot, really hot. (laughs) All right. Cowboy, take me away. Cowboy, take me away. All right. Well, I got everything fucking up now. Cowboys at the Saints. Cowboys are four and a half point favorites. On the road, 47 and a half is the over-under. Dallas has been kind of sputtering in terms of against the spread line. Started off odd at 9-0. and They've gone 1-3 since. 0-2 for uh, spread. 0-2 as uh, favorites during this four-game span. Or, sorry, 1-2 as favorites during this four-game span. I like Dallas to cover this game. You get Amari Cooper back. Hopefully, you have CD Lamb ready to go. Um, not a true on true short week as both teams played Thursday, last Thursday and Thanksgiving, but the Saints have been also just been flat out bad in general. Taysom Hill is supposed to get the start now. I'm not touching the over under. Dallas's defense is very, very much boom bust, and we don't know what the Saints are going to look like. Expect a slow down game. So, Dallas to cover, and if I'm betting the game total, I'm leaning the under. Yep. And looking at this from a fantasy perspective, Dallas, you can expect floor out of most of their guys. I don't think you're going to sit any of them, but the Saints defense has been decent, especially their run defense. So yeah. going to lean a bit more towards the floor on those guys. Um, you know, I am probably going to lean away from, you know, I know Gallup had a big week last week. You know, you can play him if CD doesn't play. You'll be watching up until game time on, sorry, if Cooper doesn't play. So we'll be watching up until game time on Cooper. If he doesn't play, then you're okay with Gallup. If he does play, I would keep Gallup on your bench. Um, expect floors out of Cooper, CD, um, you know, Schultz, Zeke, the like. On the same side of it, um, you're going to start whatever back is starting 
Uh, Camara will be also be a game time decision, so keep an eye on that. Um, you're going to really pay attention to your your Thursday night ins outs tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so if Camara plays, you play him. Like you said, Dan, Cowboys defense is very spotty. They're hit or miss. Their biggest uh, biggest asset is being able to take away the football, not so much being able to stop it. So very strong pass rush, but I mean, yeah, the Saints with taste in hell, you have to expect. Yeah, not a lot of passing and trying to slow the game down to keep Dallas off the field. And that is the flip side of it, too. We did see Alvin Kamara's floor kind of bottom out when Taysom Hill was at quarterback. So that's the other thing to be aware of here. Um, you expect it to be low scoring. I completely agree with that. And I expect it to be low scoring from a fantasy perspective. Problem is you got a lot of superstars in this one, too, that are very hard to sit. So I don't think you should. You're just you're going to need to find your upside elsewhere when you're constructing your lineups this week. Yeah, that's not uh not a game I would be excited to try to target. So. No, I wouldn't be either. Vikings at the Lions. Vikings are seven-point favorites on the road. 46.5 is the game total. No Delvin Cook. Potentially no DeAndre Swift. Swift should just, uh, he should be put on IR and, and, and just kept down there for the rest of the year. No, no need for him to come back. Oh, you Look, shut your whore mouth. I know. I'm sorry. but it's I have just a lot of DeAndre Swift. So do I. So do I. Yeah, but I'm uh, also on the bubble of a lot of playoffs. Well, I, I hope he doesn't for the sake of both of our teams. I just, from an actual fan standpoint, he, 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 they should just set him. Anyways, uh, Vikings have yet to cover a game when they're been, uh, they're one in three or one in three as uh, favorites this year. One in one as home as away favorites. Haven't covered a game over uh, two and a half in the last 10 games. Detroit is covered three in a row. They've obviously been dogs every game this year. Seven and four on the season, which is actually pretty impressive for a team that sucks as bad. Defense, though, Chicago held to 16. Browns held to 13. Ty Pittsburgh at 16. Obviously, the game against uh, uh, Philly was rough. Rams with 28, and they were productive in that game, or the, they were definitely competitive in that game. Last time against Minnesota, it took a game winning field goal of, I believe, 54, 55 yards for Minnesota to win that game. Did not cover. Uh, Detroit plus seven feels like the right answer. I'm probably just going to stay away from the spread. If Swift is the miss, I, I just don't trust this offense at all. And 46 and a half feels like it's a gift because I think this game goes under. Uh, game totals for the last three games for Detroit have all been uh, 32 or under. So. Yeah. All right. Flipping this one around, uh, it's Detroit versus Minnesota. So you're going to start everything from Minnesota. <laughs> yes. And the only thing you want to start from D Detroit is Jamal Williams because there's likely to be no DeAndre Swift. So Hawk too, but oh yeah, Hawk may be apt to maybe ask to block. More but tight ends aren't real. It's true. But They're just a myth. He may be he may be out on more routes actually, given the Everson Griffin mental health issues and true. you know, Hunter on IR. I mean, Vikings pass rush is not at full strength. So So very good, but you're absolutely right. Hawk should and then if, with no swift, they need to also add in he's another best, short ADOT type of uh, pass catcher for, yeah, for Goff to check down to. And he's their best weapon. So yeah. Uh it's Williams and and Hawk and what would normally be a plus matchup, but it's the Lions, so plus matchups don't exist for them. <laughs> Cardinals at the Bears. Cardinals are seven and a half point favorites on the road. 45 and a half of the game total. 
the return of Kyler Murray after three games missed plus the bye week. Most likely. Most likely gonna play. I think I think that's this is what their their entire plan was was to wait until the bye. I think so. Yeah. For that being said, Arizona six and oh, six and oh as the away team against the spread this year. One and oh as the away team favorites. I like them to cover. The Bears should be no you know, Justin Fields. I think that's still up in the air whether or not Fields is gonna play. Yep. He returned to practice, but he was limited, so They'll probably we'll they may give him another week. Yeah, I think this is uh return the form for the three game stretch of Colt McCoy. Now get back. No, probably no Hopkins. So won't stop the Cardinals from doing what they're doing. I like Hopkins, them to cover seven and a half. Hopkins still not practicing. Yeah, I think that was what the tag was. I don't think he's gonna play. I think they're just gonna wait, wait, and wait until they feel like he's completely ready. Yeah, forty-five and a half. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I like this game to go over. It might be the Cardinals doing most of the heavy lifting, but Cardinals cover seven and a half and uh, lean the over. We'll say so. Hopkins returned to practice. In limited or full? Wait, hold on. I don't think it really matters. Yeah, December first, he returned to practice. Um, okay. He missed the last four games. Uh, has a chance. Maybe to it's like Murray. Week. Uh, yeah, maybe it's like Murray. Could make the return against the Bears. Hopkins could be limited even if he goes. So, but you should be back. It looks yeah, like. Yeah. So, both going to be game time decisions technically. Uh, if they play, you start them. Uh, and Christian Kirk in this one as well. I'm, we're we're kind of done with the. Is it Christian Kirk? Is it AJ Green? Is it Rondale Moore? Christian Kirk's the second pass catcher here for for the Cardinals. So and, Kirk, and Connor too. Yeah, and James Conner is the other guy that you're going to play. Bears yeah. defense is not scaring anybody. The Bears side, you've gotten big games out of Darnell Mooney, um, especially with Andy Dalton last week. Um, he's get, Even if Robinson plays, Mooney right now is the most reliable pass catcher with a ton of upside. So, yep. yeah, you know, you're going to ride Darnell Mooney there and Dave Montgomery. That's about it. Bucks at the Falcons. Bucks are 11-point favorites on the road, 50-and-a-half. Is the game total? Last time out, this was a shootout. Bucks won forty-eight twenty-five when they were at home against Atlanta. Easily covered the thirteen points. I like. I, I I think they'll cover this year. It's been a little bit tough for them, but I'll I'll take even at double-digit points. I'll take I'll take Tampa during that Atlanta game. They still had relief. That was before the relief departure. Um, mm-hmm. I'll take Tampa at seven, or I'll take. Tampa at minus 11 at over under wise. Look, Atlanta has not been scoring points. 21 points against Jacksonville last week, zero against New England, three against Dallas. And they put up 27 against Saints back in the beginning of November. Tampa Bay minus 11 and the under. Yeah. Tampa Bay's defense is going to be set up to feast in this one. You should get another Leonard for, you know, Solid game from Leonard Fournette there. Antonio Brown is going to miss. We know that. So Godwin, Mike Evans, I know that, you know, you got dudded by Godwin last week. Don't think that'll happen again. Uh, But you should still see a healthy amount of Fournette here as well. So Buccaneers are full go. For the Falcons, um, you know, Cordero Patterson's been their most reliable pass catcher. This is a very tough matchup. I don't know how you sit Patterson with running back eligibility, given all of the injuries that are at running back right now. But – 
you know, he's been pretty insulated. I'm not too worried about that matchup, even though it is very, very tough. The other thing to to pay attention to, even though the pass rush is really good and probably going to give Matt Ryan's problems, Matt Ryan problems. So more of a thing to watch, or if you need a YOLO start, Russell Gage is 15 targets over the last two weeks, 111 yards, a touchdown, and 11 receptions. So he is taking over as that wide receiver one there in the absence of Ridley. Um, you know, it's not, it's not super pretty. It's very, very much around Hunter Renfro numbers the last couple of weeks, um, really three <laughs> of the last four. Um, but you know, it's something that you can get away with if you do need to plug somebody in and start, he's not likely to dodge you. He is going to get the target volume as far as the wide receivers are concerned. And then, you know, Kyle Pitts is a tight end. That's, you know, we, <laughs> It's about that's all you a, can say, right? I mean, he's yeah, been yeah. back below 30 yards each of the last two weeks. He's uh, pretty much third on his team in target volume. So it's been, you know, Gage, not Pitts, over the last couple of weeks that has gotten most of that work. Um, he's had two good games over the last five weeks since his back-to-back 100-yard games. So, um, yeah, and it's not a matchup I want to target anyway because of Winfield and how good the Bucks safeties are. So Exactly. You know, Kyle Pitts is a guy that it's hard to say steer away from a guy you spent that much draft capital on, but given the last couple of weeks, if you want to put him in timeout for a guy like, you know, um, you know, Friermuth is in concussion protocol, but he comes to it, mind. If you picked up Logan Thomas, if Foster you got Moreau, for his Logan Thomas, yeah. James O'Shaughnessy, guys like that that give you more floor, I couldn't blame you for that. I, I wouldn't either. Colts at the Texans. Colts, nine and a half point favorites on the road. There's a lot of road favorites. Jesus Christ. One, yeah. two, three. Every game so far, road favorites. A lot of ugly Colts. games, too. There's yeah. like two games that look good this week. Three, I, I guess. Gross. Again, Colts, nine and a half point favorites on the road against the Texans. 45 and a half is the game total. Colts, been very good. You know, competitive in the game against the Bucks the whole way. Obviously, destroyed Buffalo at Buffalo. Um, you know, been you know, been very impressive since the slow start uh for them. And the Texans have just been meh. But they've always been kind of close, right? Since even the Rams game, the last three games they've played, lost by seven, one by nine, lost by eight. Um I don't like this total for the Colts. It this feels a bit like a trap. You know, a game that they, you know, that they get up big and kind of ride high. And let in the Texans kind of you know inch their way back in, maybe a couple of late scores. I'm staying away from the game total. Or not, or I'm staying away from the spread. I think it's a little too much. I don't feel as confident in the Colts being able to cover that much. And then game total wise, I'll lean the over here. If, if the Texans were able to battle back by down big, expect this game to kind of you know hit that higher mark. So I'll I'll lean the over, avoid the spread. All right, from the other side of this, um, Colts will give up some passing yards. That makes Brandon Cooks uh, an okay plug-in. Rex Burkhead has gotten the majority of the rushing work for the Texans. So, again, it's pretty ugly out there running back given some of the injuries. Yeah, So, not saying you run out and start Rex Burkhead because the Texans cannot run block to save their damn life. <laughs> at all. Like, have not at been all. able to all season. Have not given you a productive back all season. Um, Rex Burkhead's going to get the volume there. Do with that what you will. Fuck, um, that's gross, man. Yeah, Jesus. It, it is gross. On the Colts side of this, Jonathan Taylor is your most surefire thing. 
Uh, you know, Michael Pittman saw double digit targets in the shootout with Tampa. Uh, but before that, in the domination of Buffalo, uh, didn't need to throw it. They didn't throw it. Why? Because they don't have to. Domination of Jacks the week, Jacksonville the week before that, not domination, but win. Very efficient, low target volume. That's kind of been the name of the game for Pittman. So there is a little risk associated with him. Again, numbers are very, uh, we'll call them Renfro-like, except for the touchdowns. So, <laughs> um, again, there's there's definitely Florida Pittman, but there is a little bit of a chance for a disappointing output this week, given game script and everything. The Colts are a team that's going to run the football if they can run the football. So Pittman's another guy that, you know, I like call it Kirk, Mooney, potentially even Gage in chase mode given that game script a little more than Pittman. It's just really hard to sit him right now either because he has been good and you know he has been productive, especially over the middle of the season. It's a game script I don't like. This leans more towards Jonathan Taylor. I mean, you can definitely be concerned, you know, target volume. I mean, 10 against Tampa Bay, just four catches, tough matchup, right? But five against Buffalo, five against Jacksonville, six against the Jets. All like, all wins, too. All wins, all, 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 you know, especially Jets and Jacksonville should have been, you know, decent matchups. You know, game script obviously will play a factor. Yeah. You know, 50 against Tennessee when it was more of a complete shootout style of game. But Just like I mean, it was this past week, which double digits and shootouts, right? But then yeah. the games before that, uh, big win against San Francisco, right? Just four targets. Now he had 105 yards and a touchdown, but just four targets. Big win against Houston before that. And who are they playing? Three targets. Yeah. Three Two receptions, targets. 35 yards. So be careful. Yeah, exactly. Be careful. If you have another option that looks better than Pittman, don't feel bad about doing that. It's like, it's, 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 this is the cold. This is like DK in Seattle when they don't need the, the throw and they can win on the ground and grinding out yards with leaks best back. They're going to take that. All right. Moving on, Philadelphia at the Jets. Philly, seven-point favorites on the road, 45-and-a-half in the Izzy game total. Zach Wilson did practice in full. He's expected to make this weekend start. Give me Philly and the points. Wilson has yet to prove really anything since that overtime win against the Titans. Obviously, with injury, it just hasn't been his year. Give me Philly. Give me the under. The Eagles have a good pass rush, and Zach Wilson's been really, 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 really struggling in that department. Um, just it's I, I I don't say I don't want to say that the Jets need to shut him down, but I don't know how much good it's doing for him to continue to just develop these bad, you know, bad mechanics, bad habits. So either way, I'm thinking uh filling in the points and the under. Yeah. I'm the Jets are tough, right? We've seen the Eagles' defense be good. Um, they, you had some some relevant pieces when Zach Wilson was out. Zach Wilson's back, and that kind of hurts your your relevant pieces a little bit. By relevant pieces, I mean Elijah Moore. So it's rough. It, it is, and they rough. won last week too. I mean. Yeah, and they did win last week. Not really thanks to. To Wilson, more thanks to the fact that they were playing Houston, but <laughs> you know they they did win last week. Um, but Elijah Moore was your leading target getter, eight targets, 
four receptions, 46 yards. So Elijah Moore, again, this is another cautionary tale of they want to get him involved in the offense, and they should be able to get him mixed in a little bit against against Philly. But, you know, be wary of that as well. But they will try to get him involved. So, you know, if you're looking for starts on the Jets, for some reason, it's Elijah Moore. And then Tevin Coleman saw 16 carries for 67 yards. Relatively efficient day on the ground. Um, you know, Austin Walter got the touchdown, but did uh, did that with just nine carries. So That was such a weird name. To hear. I was like, who the fuck is this I had guy? no idea who that was either until last week. So, yeah, it's... Basically, that's a long-winded way of saying that it's Elijah Moore and Tevin Coleman, and only if I have to. On the other side of this, though, the Eagles have a much better matchup. Jalen Hurts should absolutely be able to feast against the Jets, whether he does it on the ground or through the air. It's a good matchup for Devonta Smith, um, who should get some early receiving work. Same thing with Goddard. Um, should be some early receiving work there. And then, um, you know, game script-wise, so they should, says that they should be able to run it. So, uh, Miles Sanders could be in for a better than better than average week and keep an eye on Jordan Howard's health because we did see them split workload a little bit. So keep an eye on that as well, but I probably wouldn't get too cute with this one unless you absolutely have to. So I'd keep it at Smith Sanders and Hertz Hertz and Goddard on the Eagle side. But again, Sanders is a guy I'll tell you people I don't like for upside. Sanders is the guy I like for upside this week. I agree. Chargers at the Bengals. Finally, Finally, a game that's actually decent and a home team that's favorite. Bengals favored at home by three points, 50 and a half is the game total. We know that the Chargers like to play all their games close. We know that the Bengals is very much improved this year and have tend to be, as tend to play it up to their comp, you know, to their competition. You know, bad beat against the Browns a few weeks ago and an even worse beat against the Jets the week prior. But great against Baltimore, great, great games against Pittsburgh. Won that overtime game against the Vikings, where was able to, you know, hold their own against Green Bay. So, I, I, I like the Bengals to cover this game. I think they're legit. I think money is going to push or is going to push the Chargers to maybe you know get into that plus two and a half range. So, if you want to wait on Cincinnati, I, I understand. Uh, game total wise, I, I like the over. Both defenses aren't great. Uh, Chargers can, can be ran up, up on, like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. It's going to be uh, Joe Mixon, but just fucking everything. Yeah, I look at this one and party this, in the sea. Yeah, I look at this one and this is easily the fantasy game of the week for me. Yeah, this is the one that I would just want to throw Which my means chips it's on be bad this year. and say <laughs> start everyone right. All three yeah. Bengals pass catchers, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow. Um, on the Chargers side of it, uh, Mike Williams, I'm iffy on just because he's Mike Williams, and the Bengals pass defense has been decent. But Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, no reserves there. I mean, this that Bengals-Chargers matchup very much should be the high-scoring high game of the week. Let's hope so. Every time we think we know it, this is going to be one of the lower ones. All right, Giants at the Dolphins. Which will somehow really be the highest scoring game of the week. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, my God. Please, please no. Uh, Dolphins favored by four and a half points at home. Uh, Over-under is at 40.5. I believe this is the lowest. This is the lowest game total of the week. Giants, again, obviously banged up entirely. 
Dolphins just kind of win with just that grind them out pace. This should be an easy victory. Dolphins favor only by four and a half feels like a gift too. Uh, game total feels just like you don't need to worry about it. This would be one I, I would just look past and I, I, I would easily take the Dolphins at four and a half and feel good about it. They have covered five straight games in a row. All right, on the flip side of this for the Dolphins, uh, you, you know, Jalen Waddle's kind of an instant start given the target volume that that he has been getting. Um, so you're good there. Uh, Giants have been actually weirdly good against the running back this year. Um, they're eighth in points allowed, I believe. So That's because they get behind so quickly. Oh, no, against the, I'm against sorry. the running back. Against the run. They've been pretty good against the running back. They give against up 15, the run. 15 to Boston Scott, 16 to King Drake. Uh, the only 20-yard rusher they gave up was Darrell Henderson. So uh, they also haven't exactly played anybody great. Um you know, 20 points allowed back week one and two to Gordon and McKissick. Other than that, you know, Zeke, Henderson, eh, they're all right. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's pretty average. Pretty average. Pretty average. On the flip side of that, Miles Gaskin, finding his legs a little bit. You saw two touchdowns last week from him. Uh, before that, you saw some efficiency with uh, 95 scrimmage or 96 scrimmage yards from that. Then you got um, not a lot the week before. And then touchdown week before, again, running back landscape's ugly. It is something that on paper is a neutral, the slightly plus matchup for Miles Gaskin. So, and Mike Gasicki's a tight end. On the Giants' front, their revolving door of injuries. Uh, Saquon Barkley has been very ineffective, uh, really, the last two years since coming back off of injury. Uh, this does profile as a plus matchup. Could be a little bit of a get-right game if he truly is getting healthy. So you're okay with starting that. Um, other than that, for the Giants, there's not a whole lot that that I really love there. I'll take a look at what they did against Tampa and, and Philly. Not good. But I don't think that there's a lot I love there from a pass catcher perspective. I mean, even if you have to throw a plus, you got Daniel Jones dealing with a neck injury. So... Behind him, Mike Glennon. Yeah, and Mike Glennon staring down that barrel. Yeah, Evan Ingram, their leading target getter, just 37 yards. Kenny Galladay had 50 yards. Your best bet remains a healthy kid, Arias Tony, just because he has some explosiveness, and that's even still not pretty. I think I saw somewhere that the Eagles are easily the worst team against tight ends this year. Well, for fantasy-wise, but we know. The Eagles? Because they're playing the Dolphins. My God, they're playing. Never mind. So, as much as I don't care about this game, that's the, why the Eagles are playing the Jets. So, if you want to play that one, Ryan <laughs> <Just>, Griffin, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why that stat didn't come up, right? Yeah, exactly. Oops. Anyways, anyway, football team at the Raiders. Raiders are favored by two and a half points at home. Forty nine and a half is the game total. This one feels like. A sneaky that was fun a game. great transition to just say football team, by the way. Football like, team. I don't care. This football team is playing the Raiders. <laughs> this one feels kind of like, you know, a little bit funnier. Washington's right in a three-game winning streak. 3-0 also against the spread during that time. Somehow. Vegas is uh been they were better, right? Dallas is sliding. They're able to take advantage of that on Thanksgiving. 
I, I kind of like Washington on the road, you know, getting two and a half points. And I like the over at 49 and a half. Both offices can score points. Well, at times it may not be pretty. We know that Washington can hang. We know that the Raiders can put up points, even without Darren Waller. I think we're, uh, we're, this one's going to go over. Washington covers two and a half. Yep. You're that Aaron Rodgers and Brian Tannehill this week. Taylor Heineke is a guy that I like as a streamer. But uh, the football team in front of this, it's McLaurin and Gibson, right? And Logan Thomas. Because yes. Washington football team tight ends get targeted. I haven't seen anything on the status of JD McKissick. I haven't seen either. The no. last thing I saw tweeted was his agent saying he's fine, and unless his agent is a doctor, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Um, let's see, JD McKissick concussion protocol, not practicing. Yeah, he probably shouldn't play. So. It's going to be a lot of Antonio Gibson in this one, which I'm completely fine with um, against the Raiders. Raiders are a team that can move the football. Expect the Raiders to be without Darren Waller. Um, as we talked about earlier, Josh Jacobs has been more involved in the passing game. Hunter Renfro um, should set up to have a, you know, more towards the ceiling type of game. Uh, you could see a little more out of Brian Edwards, but I'm not going to bet on that. So really looking at Jacobs, Renfro, and then Foster Moreau, big red zone weapon, not quite the between the twenties weapon that, that Waller is, but should still see enough targets to put him in that tight end, you know, four through 16 discussion, essentially. Yep. So serviceable. Good enough. Yep, good enough. Takeaways there, Moreau. I'm a definite start on Hunter Renfro. Um, and then Chalk for the football team. Yep. All right. My favorite game of the week. Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Baltimore, four and a half point favorites on the road. 44 even is the game total. Baltimore coming off of a two-game uh, cover streak, though just 16 points total. Lamar Jackson was not good this past week coming off of his ailments here. Look, I, 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 I Baltimore wins this game. Pittsburgh covers, though. These games generally stay close, very, very grind them out. Both offices do not look good right now. Both are dealing with their own injuries. Pittsburgh's riding a three-game losing streak. Right now, I think this game, I think Pittsburgh covers four and a half. Game total feels set perfectly. I would lean over as both defenses are struggling with injuries. They they have been giving up more than expected. So Pittsburgh to cover four and a half and the game to go over 44. Yeah, the other side of this one, Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's getting like he's dead. Every time he gets hit, just <laughs> the way they have to scrape him off the turf and, you know, check on his hips and make sure they're not broken, everything. I mean, he looks legitimately dead every time he gets hit. So yep. that's normally not a good thing when we have to question if you're alive every time he gets sacked. That it's being Sinka, you dead man. <laughs> yeah. That being said, if we expect this to be close and they normally are, you're right about that, then you're going to go with Najee Harris. And a neutral game script. Uh, very negative game script last week. He still saw five targets, didn't do a lot with that. Um, you know, the fact is the Ravens will give up a bit in the receiving game. They haven't really faced a prolific receiving running back here in a bit. Uh, Cook saw just three targets in a what was a shootout, essentially. That would be the closest thing. Eckler had 48 yards on seven targets. 
Um, Jonathan Taylor had 116. So, I mean, DeAndre Swift had 60. So receiving backs can get a little bit against the Ravens. So I do like, you know, Najee Harris. Again, you're not sitting Najee Harris. You're not sitting Deontay Johnson at this point, right? Um, You could see some Chase Claypool shots. I wouldn't trust it. Steelers' offensive line is terrible. I mean, you can put as much of this as you want on Ben. He has no protection right now. And he's not the guy that he was years ago that can get away with having no protection, step off, shake off, and do the Aaron Rodgers thing before Aaron Rodgers was doing it. Just, yeah, I'd still be fine with I mean, yeah, Baltimore is pretty much a pass funnel off, or you can pass on them. You I mean, can't. It might be tough. But so my issue I, with Claypool is mostly efficiency. That's fair. It is because I'm pretty sure. Well, it's efficient. He had 82 yards, 93 yards the last two weeks. I mean, yeah, I'm okay with it. Uh, eight to nine targets. Again, you expect this to be closer. You may see that come down a little bit. Uh, those were in shootouts and uh, playing from behind the whole game. Uh, he's been down to you know five targets the last couple wins. Uh, the one thing that could change that, Pat Fryermuth is dealing with a concussion. Eric Ebron is on IR. If Fryermuth can't go, then, yeah, I'm going to plug in Claypool because he – remember, people thought he was going to be a tight end coming into the league, so they'll move him around and, and get him some matchups and everything. Anthony and they Miller, will definitely manufacture targets and touches for him too. So. Yeah, because yeah. they do pass to the tight end, right? So I could see them playing Anthony Miller in the slot, James Washington out wide with Deontay Johnson, and then, you know, having Claypool man the tight end spot because Ebron's basically a move tight end anyway. So see them getting cute a little bit with it. Maybe see a little more three, four receiver sets or, or move not three people around. Maybe see a little more four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I that's what I'm that. thinking, right? Given Claypool's size and the fact that he did play some tight end in college that they may use him in that regard. He's 6'4", 238. He's tight end size. He's just wide receiver athletic. So, yeah. I like exactly. Claypool a lot more. Fryermuth doesn't go. Ravens side because they're still a team as well. Expect Lamar Jackson to bounce back. You don't typically get to get two back-to-back games like that from him. Um, you know, it's not a matchup. Steelers' run defense is tough. I don't want to play Devonta Freeman, even though he's been solid, if I can help it. Some places I can't help it. Um, Marquise Brown is an auto start at this point. Bateman's got some floor to him, but I don't know how much I love the upside, especially if Hayden ends up coming back. So um, I'd probably leave Bateman on your bench this week if you can. Said he's been solid. He's flashing like you want to see for a rookie, but the upside's not really there, and it is kind of a negative uh, passing matchup if the Steelers' defense is healthy. Yeah. And obviously Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown. Mark Andrews is a tight end. Tight end. Yeah, Mark Andrews Jacksonville. is a tight end. Yeah, Jaguars at the Rams. Rams are 13-point favorites at home. 47.5 is the game total. This is probably the perfect recipe the Rams need during this three-game losing streak. Haven't covered a game since the middle of October. I'm not betting on the Rams. Rams have been fucking abysmal. They should win this game. They should. Should win this game. But I'm not betting on them. I'll stay away from this game from an entire standpoint. I need to see the Rams going to get back to what they were to start the year. Hey. For me to feel confident again. I just got your text. Everything all right over there. Hey. Just came through. Hey, look at that. Finally, two hours later, two and a half hours later. Continue. Yeah. My bad. No, you're good. 
I'm not betting this game. I need to see. I, I need to trust the Rams a bit more before I'm back to betting them. So, and I'm not betting Jacksonville because God, fuck no. Lawrence might get eaten alive by that that pass rush. Could be. All right, other side of this. Um, Lawrence might get eaten alive by that pass rush, but at the same time, that pass rush hasn't really been getting home. So this is the definition of a get-right game, right? And the Rams are going to run their full (laughs) offense and go for the confidence boost. I don't see any scenario where they take their foot off the gas, and Daryl Henderson's banged up. So, you know, look, this is a start Matthew Stafford, start Cooper Cup. Odell should play. Start him. Van Jefferson's going to get his over-the-top stuff. I don't see them having much of a running game. If it's involved in the Rams' passing attack and it's not Ben Scowenkirk or whatever. Bless you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, start it this week. <laughs> on the flip side of that, you can move the ball on them a little bit. I don't like Marvin Jones Jr. to have the same success against Jalen Ramsey that some others have. Um, but, you know... Uh, O'Shaughnessy getting work should be fine. He's gonna he's a tight end, right? And then James Robinson should be okay. You've been able to run on the Rams, so that is the one thing you can do on the Rams is run the football. For whatever reason, they are not good at that. So stopping with, it or running with Aaron Donald, they can't stop the run. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. Tells yeah. me that Aaron Donald being used as a pass rusher, trying to get upfield, creates gaps in that run defense that they don't have the linebacking core to cover. It's like they keep struggling to find draft picks to fill that those depth pieces. Yeah, weird how that works. Jacksonville's James Robinson uh, and O'Shaughnessy, I guess, just because he's the name to know. LA's oh, start. Shaq Hennessy. Yeah, LA's start your passing attack. 49ers at the Seahawks. Niners are three-point favorites on the road. 45 and a half is the game total. Again, this is another decent matchup for C- or for San Francisco, even without Debo with the sputtering Seahawks. Seahawks have won one game in their past seven, and that was against Jacksonville. Duds, you know, put up a dutter against Green Bay on the road, just 13 against the Cardinals, just 15 against Washington. Before that Jacksonville game, 10 against the Saints. 20 against Pittsburgh, 17 against the Rams. So it, this is offense and with um, Russell Wilson still battling to find its way back from his injury. It's not been pretty. Last time out, the Rams did win 28-21. Way back in the beginning of October, though. I like the Niners to cover this three. Keep putting Seattle out of their misery. And I like this game to go under. San Francisco during this three-game winning streak have scored 30-plus points. The loss of Debo, I think, is going to put a shift in this offense, may line a little heavier on the running game. We just saw what Antonio Gibson did to the Seattle front. I think this is a slower pace, going to grind them out on the ground, throw when they need to, but it shouldn't be much. San Fran cover, minus three, game goes under 45 and a half. Okay. Cool. Cool. Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell. Um, look, Ayuk's in George Kittle. I mean, Ayuk is going to get some of that rushing work that Debo's vacated. We talked about this earlier, so I don't really feel the need to rehash it that much. 
he sh- he's their leading target getter. He should get some of that rushing work that Debo vacated. Um, George Kittle should need should be more involved. Seattle doesn't have a pass rush that's going to scare anybody. As far as Seattle goes, we talked about them earlier too. DK's in timeout. You can't trust any piece of the rushing game. You know Wilson's been pretty pretty meh. The only thing I trust from Seattle right now is Tyler Lockett. And even then, it's only because the yardage is there and he's getting 20 yards a target, not because he's been hyper-efficient or anything like that. So, you know, this is a game where, you know, I'll take the 49ers being chalk as they as they may be, right? I'll take the 49ers and Ayuk and Elijah Mitchell and George Kittle, and I'm staying away from everything Seattle that doesn't Tyler Lockett this week. That includes DK Metcalf. You know what? He gives you a big game on your bench. Fine. I'd rather have him have a big game on my bench than a dud in my lineup when I can put a floor guy in my lineup that isn't going to dud me or somebody with a little more insulated upside right now. I feel you. Broncos at the Chiefs, just two games left. This is your Sunday night football game. Chiefs favored nine and a half at home. 47 and a half is the game total. Chiefs on his four-game winning streak, just two and two against the spread. Look, the offense, it's been out of whack. You know, great to see 41 points Monday night against the Raiders a couple weeks ago, but just 19 against Dallas, 13 against Green Bay. That was without... Aaron Rodgers, 20 against the Giants. So this is still an offense that one good game isn't going to it didn't, shouldn't just give us assumption that they're quote unquote back. Broncos during their three game, three out of four game winning streak here. Uh three one against the spread, including uh covering and flat out beating Dallas when they were down when they were 10 point underdogs here. I, I like Denver at plus nine and a half. Uh, Kansas City has yet to prove that they can cover games at, at this higher clip um, as the offense kind of just doesn't, I don't think it's completely get right for them just yet. So I like the Denver to cover nine and a half, and I do like the game to go over. Um, Denver's got a good enough offense to help push the Chiefs to have to throw more, So, which, yay. So Denver plus nine and a half. 47 and a half point over. Sure. All right. Fantasy football side of this. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a guy that I very, very much like this week, given uh, Denver's kind of been a little inept against the run. Uh, you know, you expect them to have a good defense and while their cornerbacks are uh, 22 points allowed to Harris, 21 to Drake, 24 to Johnson, 17 to McKissick, uh, 21 to Eckler. So, you know, if, Hilaire can get involved in the passing game. I expect him to have a very, very decent day. He is a guy that I very much like this week. Um, other than that, Kansas City's chalk because Kansas City's always chalk. Outside of Hilaire, you kind of have to question now. But rough running back week, solid matchup. Yeah, he's definitely somebody you're going to plug in and start. The flip side of this, um, Kansas City, you can get a little bit in the running game, not a lot though. And the problem here with pinning Javonta Williams or Melvin Gordon is that they're still splitting touches and carries 50, 50, right? So guys getting full workloads are struggling to crap 15 points of games against the chiefs right now. Guys getting split workloads don't necessarily want a lot to do with that. If I don't have to, it's not a recipe for upside. And as far as the wide receiver game goes against Kansas city, um, you can get a little bit more there. Brian Edwards, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, 
you know, decent weeks, but really since week five, AJ Brown's the only guy to have a blow up and Edwards was solid. So you need outside bigger athletic type guys. Anybody like that on the Broncos ring the bell for you? Oh yeah, Cortland Sutton. No fan? No. Maybe <laughs> no fan, actually. Let me check on that. But Cortland Sutton is a, you know, the guy that I'm targeting from Denver if Tim I Patrick? To target a, a pass catcher. Yep, Cortland Sutton. <laughs> So Edwards Lair for the Chiefs, um, Sutton for the Broncos. Broncos, I'm staying away from most everything else. No offense to tight end. <laughs> um, every, Same with Kelsey. Every team has one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Besides Pittsburgh. Sometimes more than one. Yeah. Pittsburgh, I don't even know where they're at in their tight ends. I think it's Nick Vanette is where they're at in tight ends right now. No, Nick Vanette is um, he's with, uh, I think, the Saints. Is he? Yeah. Then who's Pittsburgh down to? They have a blocking I, tight end. I don't. Chase oh, Claypool. Zach Gentry. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. God, Utah guy. That's right. You're down to Zach Gentry. Oof. Unless rough. they go to the practice squad, which would be Jay Sternberger. Hey. That's maybe, a name. Maybe that'll be a thing. Yeah, probably not. Because if Firemuth doesn't go, then they've only got two tight ends, none of them with very much experience. So anyway, anyway, wrapping that one up. I don't know how we got back on Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh yeah. Friar Muth <laughs> and Fant. Got it. Uh, yeah. Edwards, Larry and Sutton. I like two picks from this game. Uh, Chiefs are chalk beyond that. Kelsey Hill, Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, Broncos are not. They're kind of an avoid other things if you can. Not that right, I have a good. problem with Judy either, because yeah, the other thing about Edwards and Adams is they're both solid route runners and kind of fit that mold. I just I think it's gonna be Sutton more. I understand. All right, game of the week. Patriots at the Bills. Bills two and a half point favorites. Forty two and a half. Forty two and a half is the game total. The Patriots have have covered every game during this win streak. Which are on a seven game win streak, I believe, right now. Buffalo has been a bit up and down. No good against the Saints, bad against the Bills, good against the Jets, bad against Jacksonville. And then two decent games against Miami, Tennessee, you know, Chiefs during the high times, never winning pretty much every game. This is the best opponents by far that the pace that the Patriots have faced. And this is probably arguably the biggest game of both teams thus far this season. I believe Patriots are actually a half a game above Buffalo and, and lead the AFC East at this moment. I'm still taking Buffalo. This is where I lean. This is where I lean the home team here. Two and a half. If you want to just not have to worry about the spread, you can take the money line, but I would rather just get a little better odds. And I think 42 and a half feels like a gift. This could be a trap. I think this game ends up being more of a shootout. New England's defense has been absolutely great during this stretch. 13 points against Tennessee, zero points against the Falcons allowed, seven against Cleveland, six against Carolina, and then 24 given up to the Cardinals or to the Chargers, 13 to the Jets during this winning streak. The only thing I see there is they played one good offense during that stretch. 
that's the Chargers game of 24 points. I like the over here more so than I like the spread, but I like Buffalo to cover still and the 42 and a half to go over. Yeah, this is a, a very, very interesting game. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun to watch as far as fantasy goes. Might be a bit so. might be a bit less fun. Um, you know, JC Jackson's a, a tough customer for Stefan Diggs. Um, yeah. that'll be a great matchup. I don't know that you're gonna get a lot more than floor out of that though, right? Um Patriots have a good defense that also throws some ice water in Matt Breida's you know, resurgence that he's been having with Buffalo ever since he got back. Um, the flip side of that, you got Harris and Ramondre Stevenson splitting. The Bills are pretty good against the run or have been pretty good against the run. So yeah, they're for- good. Just don't, don't worry about JT. It's, it's the JT kills a lot of teams. Yeah, no, you don't worry about JT, but the rest of that, you know, there's, yeah, they haven't given up a lot against, a lot against the run other than JT. You're right. Before JT, Michael Carter, 18 and three other guys. I mean, Henry gave up a bunch actually big between the tackles runners. The guys that didn't do anything were Ty Montgomery, Carlos Hyde, miles Gaskin, Daryl Williams. Yeah. So actually that could be okay for Harrison Stevenson, but they're splitting. So it's kind of the, kind of the same thing as the, the Melvin Gordon, Javonta Williams situation, right? It's not a plus matchup. It's not a bad matchup, but when you're splitting carries like that, it's, it's a less sexy version. Both guys. Yeah. So don't love it. Um, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Patriots receivers. Kendrick Bourne has actually been pretty good from an efficiency perspective. This is just a game from fantasy that I almost want to... I don't want to avoid it. I feel like everybody in this is a lot like the Cowboys game, though, where you can only really expect floor games. Not exactly high upside from anybody. There might be a guy that hits high upside, but it's not because the matchups are conducive to it. Yeah. Also, That's Dawson it. Knox is a tight end. Should be. I, Buffalo Stillery pieces is what's going to carry them to a victory. Yeah. Beasles, Sanders, Knox, I think it's the key to this win. I think this is more of a shootout game than I think people want to realize. I think it is too, and I think it's going to be one of those guys. Just who? Probably, probably Knox, if I had to guess. Given yeah. what we've seen from the Bills and everything, it's probably Knox. Sanders will get one big play, hopefully, yeah. potentially touchdown. And, I think that's you know, where they're on at. the Patriots side of it. You might see Bourne break something off, but you know Myers is. You're probably looking floor from him. Hunter Henry's always got the chance to get, catch a touchdown. He's a tight end. Yep. So if you got nothing out of the show. Hopefully, it's that you now know who the tight ends for every team are. <laughs> And you learn a lot more about bourbon and craft beer. And the MLB. <laughs> the MLB. And you went down memory lane with us. I did. You went down memory lane with us as we looked at zero running backs and proved that this is just a weird year where it actually works exceptionally well. And that most years, that's not the case. It's kind of just a crapshoot later in the draft rounds, and you get a better chance of hitting on a wide receiver. I don't even think the RB has worked exceptionally well this year because they went after a lot of the higher end receivers that are struggling also to, hurt. to be productive so, every week. Yeah. So anyways, anyways that's the show. That's we'll the see show. you guys on Sunday.
Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Sunday. Fuck. I kept missing the mouse. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.